There was a bit of fucking tech issues and stuff, and it was a bit Byzantine, and we figured it out, and it's not ideal, but I think the energy went down a little bit. So let's bring the fucking energy up a little bit. Jake, bring it up. I'm sorry. Right, we're talking right. about Bill and Ted. It's not Lars von fucking Trier. I understand Hitler. Oh, okay. <laughs> Mr. Melancholia. Yeah, Wait, none Mr. of Persona that Persona non grata at the Cannes Film yeah. Festival, 2000, whatever. What about, we're more like party. Persona al Gratin, because he's fat. <laughs> Are we going to do Large Von Rear again? Large Von Rear. Are we leaning back towards ma- Large Von look, Rear? Look, we're finally back after five months away. We're we're playing all the greatest hits. <laughs> we're bringing back the things that... We're scrambling. That, I mean, we don't know if people want these, but but it's all we got. And so we're, we're yeah. hoping. So we're going to talk about Josh Hartnett's eyes. We are going <laughs> to, I don't know, say the word dude a lot. I think that's inevitable. Uh, yeah. What are what are other things? I don't, guys, it's been so long. I forgot how to do a podcast. We do the the uh, well. Mario is something. Oh he's like, <laughs> Mario. Yeah, you want to do it? Yeah. What do you yeah. bet? Some of our listeners, you know, were like, "Oh God, I hope they fucking forgot about that stupid Mario bit." And listen, then, up front, here it is. As soon listen, as you ask, the, you what know why cheese tastes do? so good? You know why cheese fine cheeses taste so good? Putrescence. And that's what's a this, great word. And that's what this uh, joke is is developing is it's rotting and growing mold on itself. And it, at first you're like nasty, but then you're like, I I love it. Dip my I, wings. I'm so in addicted. It. It's like eating Humboldt fog or you know one of these fancy cheeses. That's that's this <laughs> podcast. That's it. So uh, well, it's I. What's Luigi Mario? As a, as a distinction between women be uh, like men be like, but yeah. Also this podcast. <laughs> so we're back. Yes. Uh, in a way, in a, okay, I, I want to make it very clear right up front. Uh, we are not back weekly. No. This is no. The, uh, you do not do not listen to this and then or do not see this in in your podcast catcher or podcatcher or whatever they're called. Yeah. Um, I, I'm sure people already thought this. They saw it and we're like, oh my god, the boys are back now. I can count on every. Tuesday? Did we release episodes on Tuesday? So, yeah, uh, like, like, Tuesday. like to, to hear more commentary about the filmography of Keanu Reeves. That's not the case. That's not the case. We will be back weekly at some point in the future. This was this is like an emergency episode. This was an episode where we're all off, minding our business, living our lives, you know, on vacation, and then something, and then an, an emergency happened, <laughs> and we had to. And, and then me, like Kristen Shaw in the movie Bill and Ted Face the Music, I hopped in my time pod and rounded the two of you up and said, guys, space and time is going to collapse if we don't talk about a movie into microphones. <laughs> yes. The stakes are quite literally that high. Never and, been higher. Uh, this is also, yeah, we're, we're sending like bunker emergency broadcasts out about the latest... It, is is Bill and Ted face the music just like Faith the music? Face the <laughs> Yes, Matt. Yes. What was what's the movie? I'm gonna take a quick three. You guys keep going. <laughs> <laughs>
If, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> hey, okay, so okay. I want to describe something to our listeners. Yeah, people need to know what's occurring yeah. right now. So right now, here's what's happening. Um, actually, let me give you a little bit of background. Let me uh, step back in time. I can't believe I lisped that. A, class, a classic <laughs> Bill and Ted move. I'm, I'm going to go back in time. Uh, so this was a podcast that released episodes on a weekly basis. And then, uh, do you guys remember uh, this time in, I think it was like sometime in the early spring when uh, a pandemic hit like the world? The before time. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Remember when that happened? Mm-hmm. My uh, birthday. <laughs> it was on Matt's birthday, basically. Oh my God. When, it, when shit really hit the fan for yeah, like the East Coast. Like, <laughs> yeah, because we, City. Matt, you and I both went up to Saratoga, our hometown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All, like on the weekend of your birthday, I went up to shoot a video. You went up just to hang out with your family. Have my birthday, yeah. Then I was looking at the news and I was like, maybe I'll stay here for a few more days. And you went back to the city that that like Sunday. Yep. And um, and then we stayed in those specific places for five months. Yeah. And now yep. this is the first time we've recorded a podcast in the same location. Sort of, sort of, but let me let me keep giving more background because this is what listeners tune in for. Talk about our lives while while we take our time getting to the movie that they're supposed to be listening to us talk about. <laughs> anyway, but we went on hiatus with the show because we always record in person. And suddenly, because everyone's lives were in flux, I was trying to figure out some way to keep making videos while, like, up in the woods at my parents' house. And uh, and we were like, guys, let's just, like, take a little break for a while because, you know, we we can't record in our own normal way. There's a lot going on. Uh, we, we've never recorded remotely at all. And so we'll figure that out later. And it went on for much longer than we anticipated. And uh, and now finally I am back in the city. Matt and I are back together, sitting extremely close together. <laughs> yep. Uh, Jake is not here. This is still a remote episode. Jake is at his apartment. Yeah. And you're like, why is the audio so crisp? Why are they reacting so immediately to his voice? Well, it's because we're tech gods and we figured it out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's that's totally it, and uh, and the thing is, are we allowed to say this? Yeah, we can say this, Matt. You, so some people may have watched the latest video and been like, oh, yeah, no, it's, it's so not. what is fictional? What is real? I don't know. Matt moves out at the <laughs> end, but is that just a bit? Mm-hmm. You are actually moving in like three days. Yeah, I'm I'm moving. Right. So. Going forward, next time you hear an episode, it will be fully remote. We'll all be in totally different places. Oh yeah. And can I also say something? Yes, of like, course I can. I've been ta- I've been talking this long. <laughs> uh, who's going to stop me? Um, it will actually be easier to record this when we're all in separate places because we delayed this this we delayed hitting the record button by almost an hour because of trying to figure out a way to have. Matt and I in the same place with Jake over Skype, but also have headphones and not have any audio bleeding. Matt and I right now, as mm-hmm. if we are like, you know, uh, two people. High school boyfriend, girlfriend. Sc- high school boyfriend, girlfriend. You decide who. We're here sharing earbuds while sitting next to each other watching Jake on a computer screen. <laughs> yeah. 
and you so guys Jake's voice is piping in on only one of my ears yep yep i'm and sweating I'll... profusely and is you guys it... just because of the proximity to me yep is it because and it's all stomach oriented just my raw sensuality <laughs> yeah i didn't know <laughs> all that time in the woods growing that beard and stuff i don't know what happened uh, i understand <laughs> That's okay. I'm sweating too, and I'm you know you guys are just on a screen. What's your excuse? I'm I'm so hot. I don't know why. I'm like burning up over here, and it's <laughs> not that hot. we have That's bad central else air. Needs to know. We run hot. Yeah. yeah, we're 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 pasty guys who are not built for summer anywhere in the world, and no. uh, we just sweat a bunch. And also, I mean, I, I think maybe it's just thinking about our dude again. It's been a while. It could be. Yeah, yeah it has been a minute. I mean, it's wild that we managed to... It's it's wild that the timing of having to go on indefinite hiatus from the podcast, we, we did still manage to get to the Matrix of all movies. It's It would have been so funny if we had to stop <laughs> at like, I don't know. What is it? Like feeling the last, time, the last time I committed suicide or something. Oh my God. And that was... We were just like, you know what? We're done. Two movies away from the Matrix and now we're just going to... We're gonna stop, and we don't yeah. know when we're coming back. But people are—we're so yeah. they're just waiting with bated breath to hear about like Reloaded. Oh my exactly. god! Exactly. To be clear, we haven't recorded any of those. Like we stopped with the Matrix because it was just straight up the last one we we had recorded. Yeah. And it felt like you know what? That's kind of the big one that people really wanted to hear. So if we're gonna go on hiatus now, might as well be right after that one. Yeah. But this one rounds out the the theory that you had, right, about the sort of epochal trilogies within the timeline that is Keanu's career. Yeah. Well, which, th- there. Th- oh my God, th- this movie keeps providing good metaphors, kind of like the way time is folding in on itself in this movie. the The cycles of Keanu's career are folding in on themselves because he is mm-hmm. now. Uh, because we have coined this the Wick era. Right, yeah. And this is the time that, uh, during the Wick era, he is returning to both Ted and presumably the one. We should just call fans of John Wick Wiccans. Oh, that's good. That's good. We're, we're, Matt Torby original, we're coining <laughs> it now. But what I was going to say was like, um, one of every film production in the world, you know, shut down because of COVID, including The Matrix. And, uh, but like, that's the other big thing. It, it is now all of the eras are converging. It's true. All on top of each other, mm-hmm. which is wild. And I got to say, correct me if I'm wrong, in Bill and Ted Face the Music, I don't think Ted quotes himself from other movies. No, I, I no, I don't think so. No, there's only really like cheeky kind of tips of the cap to like previous the two other previous films, right? And not yeah. even a ton of those. No, very sparing. Just a sort of a nice little homage to Rufus, and then like them saying things that they said before that no longer carry the weight because the timeline's different, and that's about it. Right. But yeah, but like because obviously we talked about how John Wick three he says guns, lots of guns. Famously, Neo says whoa. Uh, right. but there, there wasn't any of that, but I mean, where do you even start? Because this is like this, he's now rounded out his third trilogy in his career, and 29 a, years after the first one. If we take, it's, it's true. Like if we take Keanu, 
he's a movie star, but if we take him to be a celestial body, mm-hmm. how do, wait, how do, because black holes form when stars explode? Am I just an idiot? What, what do you remember how, do you know? I think stars how black collapse. holes work. I think, I think they, when they stars collapse, collapse right, in collapse. on themselves. Yeah. Okay, so we could take that as a metaphor for Keanu approaching death, a thing he has even commented on famously and charmingly on talk shows. Uh, <laughs> charmingly piping in about death on, <laughs> hey, on the Colbert. Hey, Colbert asked him. Yeah. yeah. Um, but like, so if you see him as this star imploding and creating a black hole, which is something that crunches all things into a singularity, maybe that's what he's attempting to do with his career. I wonder. No, that's an interesting idea because you... It's totally ludicrous what I'm saying, but... You, you yeah. do have to wonder, as Keanu is a guy who, especially in the Wick era, has had this new resurgence where he's in higher demand than he has been in, in years. Uh, and suddenly, and I mean, he's not the guy who rolled into a studio and said, I want to make another Bill and Ted movie. I think I'll make another Matrix. Like, those yeah. didn't happen. <laughs> but you'd have to wonder, like, why now? Why this convergence now? Especially because Bill and Ted 3, they tried, they've been trying to make this movie for almost a decade. Yeah, it's right. been a minute. They had the idea, like, originally in what, like, 2000, the year 2000 or something like that? Like, the idea popped into Ed Solomon's head. Right. And then they spent, like, the next decade not, like, just basically watching brief televised red carpet snippets from Keanu from afar when reporters <laughs> would inevitably ask him, like, Bill and Ted 3, anything in the works? And he'd be like, nah, but, like, I might do that, you know? And then Solomon and Matheson were like, should we approach his agents or should we actually talk to the guy about this? But apparently they weren't ever in like close, close contact with Alex Winter and Keanu Reeves, even though those two are really good friends. And I had always gotten the impression sort of at the build up to this movie that the writers and Alex Winter and Keanu all just hung out regularly. That I also wasn't got the that case. impression. Um, it, was, it wasn't until basically they came back to them with this movie that the four of them all started like having dinner together, you know, not, and talking about not, what they wanted to do with the movie. Not even Alex Winters. Alex Winter and Keanu were really Winter. good friends, so they, the both of them, I believe, would hang out. Yeah, they've stayed friends. Yeah, and I, I mean to be fair, it's it just like you know, in my impression of Hollywood, because we're not in the industry, right? Uh, I imagine it just make like I don't imagine a lot of like. A-list movie stars hanging out with screenwriters. I imagine screenwriters hanging out with screenwriters and actors hanging out with actors. Yeah. But the thing with Winter, like, more so even than Keanu. Like, Keanu has a ton of of cool extracurricular stuff. Winter is interesting. He's an interesting, like, we, I think we've mentioned, he's an interesting Twitter follow. <laughs> uh, yeah. Super, He's like, made some cool documentaries. Yeah. He, he largely stopped acting. He did right. Freaked. Which, like, if you needed some just old-school street cred as far as just wild, out-there taste and humor and sensibility, Freaked is, like, the perfect thing to look at. Well, that's 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 exactly what I mean, is, like, his his fingerprints felt to me, and again, without having done any research, like, all over Bill and Ted as something that was a sort of more, a slightly more, like, fun, like, innocent, kind of, like, young adult thing. Alex Winter seems to just like colorful, wacky comedy. But yeah, he really like yeah. with Freak, you could see him just absolutely gelling with what the most like 
vibrant and garish aesthetics were of like was that the um was that the early 90s or the late 80s uh early 90s and i i, I believe freaked came after the, uh bogus journey Right. Okay. Also, if you li- listeners just look at our episodes for the exact <laughs> chronology of what Keanu movies were released in what order. Yeah. Alex Winter with no, and I mean this completely as a compliment, with no with no makeup or prosthetics needed, looks a little bit like a cartoon character. He does. Yeah. yeah. We were saying he's doing the Max Headroom thing in Freaked. Yeah. Without having. Uh, maybe some teeth whitening, but other than yeah. that, like zero, <laughs> zero help. Honestly, I- I'm kind of surprised that Alex Winter did not uh, have a bigger career uh, just as an actor because he just he has such a distinctive look that you can just see being like no one looks like Alex Winter. No, and he has, and he has, especially for like that kind of late '80s, early '90s, just like you know like, California guy vibe. Like, he has it perfectly. Like, I mean, because, like, his, uh, his, like, real breakout role um, was The Lost Boys. Right. Yeah. And you look at, you know, Kiefer Sutherland's, like, posse in, in that movie, and the one who really stands out is Alex Winter, because you just look at him, and it's like, look at that guy. Yeah. yeah. Look, like, his kind of, like, his visually kind of stimulating. Vampire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, his eyes bugging out. And, uh, but, yeah, it, it seemed like, I mean... But that said, looking at things like Freaked, I don't think Alex Winter was ever trying to be a movie star. No. I think he was a guy who who basically just seemed not, not, not that he didn't want that, but he seemed just, he had his own interests, and he was just like, if if being in movies will allow me to pursue my like like weirdo comedy stuff or or like documentaries and stuff like that, then that's what I'm, I care about. The word yeah. that springs to mind immediately is zany. Yeah, like. I would characterize what seems to be his comedic and aesthetic preferences as zany. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know he's also kind of like a conspiracy guy, right? Like, but now. but not in like. I feel like that gets a bad rep. He's well, the good kind, I right? Would say. Well, right. He's not, talking, he's not like an Alex Jonesy kind of conspiracy theorist, but he does frequently tweet even before it was like a really big news subject about just the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, for example. You right, know. but like that kind of conspiracy thing, he's not like a member of like QAnon. Right, yeah, he's not. Right. <laughs> not he's not, not saying a, not a pro religion, but a, yeah. a, a you know a founded right. theory that's... that. I feel like it's it's kind of a bummer how you know I feel like for a long time through like the early two thousands, cons- the idea of conspiracy theories was like fun. Yeah, you were it's a like, cool hacker with a mohawk. Right, it was that. It's like like so much of like the X Files was was about that. It just has it's mm, just yeah. the idea of like you know you're just like hanging out with your buddies, being like, well, what if there is are like these like secret groups like really controlling all this <laughs> stuff? And uh, wait, did nine eleven just ruin conspiracy th- conspiracy theories? I I forget who said this, and maybe Matt, mm. it was even you that said this to me. But somebody said that conspiracy theories tend to be more fun and enjoyable like you get to use those words to describe them when you're in a politically like just superficially like a good economic and political state within the country which is why during the clinton years when like sure there were problems but outwardly everybody was relatively comfortable and the economy was good that's when conspiracy theories you can kind of like dip your toe in that pool and have fun with it and it's not like as dark as it's maybe maybe it's it's this it's like because I was talking specifically about the X-Files and why the yeah. reboot of the X-Files in the 21st century uh, felt hollow. Right. And it was the fact that, yeah, everything was good, and so, like, 
on like a material and like sort of representative media level. Right. Um, even, but things weren't in these like subtler ways. And so then like, it's at once more fun and less threatening. And like to like say that the government is just secretly breeding humans with aliens. And, like, right. Right. Sequencing their a, DNA and stuff. You know what they should have done? Or whatever. They, the the <laughs> X Files reboot should have just been about discovering that aliens did nine eleven. That would be sick. That would be a bold choice to make <laughs> in a, a narrative sense. And it, and it it was like, what if it was their move, them trying to do an Ozymandias? <laughs> oh, and damn. where it's like, we'll stage that we'll commit this horrible atrocity that then will bring humanity together. I love the idea of it's still, though, Enya trying to sell records <laughs> by mean, having her song. That's, but she's just it, like Mon Mothma in like a pearl tower. Like <laughs> the, the Enya did 9-11 theory is still my favorite conspiracy theory. But because so it, it is so wild how Only Time became like, like a top 10 single a year <laughs> after it was released. That's wild. Anyway, this is a podcast about just Bill and Ted and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> just like you see like a hooded figure like getting out of like a combat jeep and there's just like a yeah. Chiron of just like a rack and just you see like Enya get out of the car. <laughs> uh, but then I, what, to finish the idea though, like when everything goes to shit and things are just obviously bad, there's it's no longer like, it, there's no longer superficial good. It's just like things are falling apart and it's really bad it's apparent conspiracy theory becomes now the way to like kind of judo flip people that are already asking questions into false alleys yeah right it's like it's just another form of like driving people crazy and making them ineffective yeah like uh all the problems in america right now uh they're not because of uh, a secret cabal of men in a dark room who are plotting all of this oh yeah but trump who is q as we all know, he is Q of QAnon fame. He's the one that's here to, you know, save everybody and who's no, posting Trump's cryptic, biblically tinged clues all throughout 4chan and Reddit <laughs> posts. I well, no, theory. just Twitter. Well, just, just Twitter, yeah. You but gotta do acrostics about the, the keywords and trigger words he's saying. This is it's what all about acrostics for, right? and anagrams. Well, this is the, but I mean, okay. So Alex Winter. <laughs> Let's just say that. This Alex is, Winter's not that guy zaniness maybe that's the way to like encapsulate all of what we're describing Mm -hmm. yeah and then with a movie like bill and ted which was always kind of about this like it's these warm kind-hearted films that are trying to that are about bringing humanity back together right and and specifically humanity being united by just a very simple positive force Right. right In this case, '80s hair metal music. <laughs> yeah, but just just like well, no, I have I have my own qualms with the song they write at the end of this movie, but yeah, right, right. I well, I mean, it it it's more like what Bill and Ted represent than just like the kind of music they're into. The kind of music right. really, like, I feel like the reason that it's, I mean, obviously because the series began in the late '80s, like that is the kind of music that, that they would be into. But it's also just that that is a very like simple fun and stupid type of music right right but so are them but it's like the thing is that they become transcendently so and that would be what the music would be like it could still be like stupid hair metal but it's like associated with it's it's coming from their hearts which we have now we have now learned through the three films are like transcendently pure yes 
So right. that's the difference. And one interesting thing. So I do want to talk more about the development of this movie because it took so long and I think it's interesting. Yeah. But so today, uh, I will say shout out to Orion Pictures because I emailed them asking for an early screener of this movie, knowing we wanted to do an episode. And yes, I am aware that this episode is being released like, I don't know, five days or so after the movie was publicly released. So the screener really means nothing. And mm-hmm. today I bought the movie on iTunes anyway. But listen, but, also Orion, it means a lot. But no, but seriously, <laughs> but uh, I, I just emailed them about the podcast and they sent over a screener, which That's was very cool nice of them because a year ago I emailed a Disney publicist asking if I could be on their list for just advanced screenings, like in general, uh, and gave like stats for like the numbers for like the YouTube channel. And uh, they said, uh, no, they said, keep us updated as you continue to grow. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, plebe. That's what they actually said. Exactly. (laughs) So uh, shout out to Orion Pictures. But so they sent over a copy. And uh, Matt and I watched it. And then Jake, who was in Vermont at the time, I sent him the link. He watched it. And yep. uh, But today, because I had finally like a day to relax after releasing this video last night, I just watched all three Bill and Ted movies today. Oh, nice. It was a delightful day. And it, it also, I will, will say, this is a very consistent trilogy. Yeah. And, like really, they, they hold up like all of them, like watching back to back to back. But I will say one thing I noticed that was a little bit interesting is um, only in Bogus Journey, Bill and Ted are, they're still very nice, but they are a tiny bit meaner in that movie. And I'm not <laughs> talking movie... about evil Bill and Ted. Yeah. But uh, the running thing with, with them uh, melvining death which is still not a term I've encountered anywhere else. <laughs> Remind me again, melvining is when they just give him a wedgie, right? A wedgie, yeah. Yeah, it's just an atomic like, wedgie. But there's giving death a wedgie. I think you split the balls in half. I think that's part of it. Oh, and yeah. You cleave the scrotum. Just cleave the scrotum, yeah. But yeah. just that, and then when they're going into heaven, and they actually beat up some random people and steal their clothing to go into heaven. Oh, and yeah. it, it's just like, again, these are not like, problems with the movie but i feel like i uh, like and i i can't tell you the origin of those actually i should just listen to the bogus journey commentary track i'm sure solomon <laughs> matheson talk about it but it yeah. is interesting noting that the only remotely mean spirit the only times they actually like hurt anybody are in that movie never happens in the first one doesn't happen in face the music yeah my question though now that face the music has been watched is why do they and everyone they know, including their daughters, mm-hmm. who just seem like great kids, go to hell? Everyone just goes to hell. As soon as they get zapped by the no, android. No, everyone has to... Yeah. The same, well, the same thing happens in Bogus Journey. Right. They just go to hell. Right. That's So my question is, Where is are heaven? they good? Or, what, or what, is, what is heaven and hell in this sort of cosmology? Yeah, it... Um, does it mean the same thing true. as it does here? I feel like I should... And I know I just rewatched this movie today, um, but I, I feel like I, I still need to rewatch the part their initial encounter with the death. Their daughters are instantly in hell. <laughs> well, everybody, ev- literally everybody every single person everybody. in the movie goes Mozart to hell. Mozart is instantly in hell. Eve, even like uh, 
paragon of morality and goodness, Kid Cudi, is in hell. Kid Cudi is in hell. Including Bill and Ted, who we just said are transcendently pure. But right. this is my question. Is, they were sent to hell. Is, is, the, is the cosmology that everyone goes to hell? Doesn't matter who you are. Well, maybe it's and not you, hell so well, much as a purgatory. Th- this is, um, you work your way to heaven through acts of goodness, like yeah. like uh, that movie or that TV show where the person's a dog until he does enough kind acts to become a human again. I'm forgetting what that one. What? Nine Lives? Oh, no. no oh. Nine Lives is a cat. Oh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Starring everyone's favorite actor. Yeah. <laughs> 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 he who shall not be named. Um, <laughs> I will say... Yeah. Uh, I'm back in cat form. <laughs> <laughs> Just to the camera. But he's a cat. Well, wait, wait, still with an Underwood accent? Y'all miss wait, wait, it. Right? I'm back. Remember when he did the video, Let Me Be Frank? Yeah. He showed a video called oh Let Me God. Be Cat. Let me be cat with you right now. I only eat fancy feast if you catch my drift. <laughs> That's baby brains in a bowl. Uh, anyway, Nine Lives, which is a movie... Directed by Barry Sonnenfeld. <laughs> hey, wait. Oh, yeah. Connections. Barry Sonnenfeld directed Men in Black. Ed Solomon, Ed Solomon wrote Men in Black. Gotta say, Ed Solomon doing better these days than Barry Sonnenfeld is. Yeah, yeah. Pat, um, can I, I, Sorry. You, no, Jake, go ahead. Can I say something to your comment about how the three movies seem to sync up really well? Like, go as far it. as, besides Bill and Ted being a little meaner in the second one. Mm-hmm. Um, I was reading that Solomon and Matheson, while they were working on this, purposefully did not watch Bogus Journey or Excellent Adventure, nor are they the types of people, so they say, that like go back and revisit those movies frequently, and they both attested to not having seen either of the original films like basically since they had been released. And so they were these two these two writers, you know, we're not working off of any clear-cut memories from those movies. It's surprising to hear that they gel really well. I'm glad that you actually watched all three uh, front to back because I kind of wondered that myself. I watched this movie and really felt like the major differences between this movie and the other two, having seen the other two like a couple months ago, right? Right. We did Bill and Ted back earlier this year, essentially. Um, and I re- and I felt a, kind of like a major difference from what I remember to those two. But um, I would be interested to hear why you think that they sync up so well. Yeah, I mean, there's the obvious differences just like in aesthetics because of like, you know, when it was made in, uh, you know, like the actors ages and stuff like that. But the the I mean, and and I can talk more about this, like as we get deeper into it, but just like the tones and structures and just like for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. overall vibe, just like the energy of them, they like, they move at very similar paces. They like, right. they just, they like, like going just straight through all of these, each one like a tight 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. I like, and it, yeah. I'm glad I, they didn't drag this one out. I was worried, no. you know, usually when they make these sequels and they're, they're, or they're like tying back into an IP or something that was popular and there's been a big break. When they get back to a movie again, it ends up being like this big, overly long extravaganza. It was kind of funny to see it go for just a straight ninety minutes. It's just, it's That's just it. a like a like a quick little like n- nice simple movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's just like like 
yeah, there are like just the obvious kind of cosmetic differences, mm-hmm. but it, but in terms of just like like the scripts to them, the way they're paced, the uh, you know, just like the like like amount of of zaniness and and, and everything, like. Uh, just like even like the the tones of the new characters they introduce like they all they they very much felt like of a piece with one another and and the thing about solomon and matheson like not revisiting the originals i'm assuming now that um the last time they did that was probably when they recorded the commentary tracks uh on i don't know if it was like these were recorded earlier, but like I have the shout factory collection that i think came out last year right uh, but uh, but and I remember when we did our episodes, I listened to the commentary track on Excellent Adventure, and that was funny because it also felt like they hadn't watched it in a while. But they mm. were like just complaining about a lot of stuff, being like, "We don't like this scene." And there's all these scenes that I love, like you know, they're at like the mall scene, which I enjoy so much, yeah. and they're just like, oh, yeah, "Yeah, this doesn't really work. This was kind of a miscalculation on our <laughs> part." And I'm like, "What are you guys talking about?" But they, they're they're funny guys and and well also but like you know Bill and Ted originated as just like an improv bit that they would do in college playing would, the roles themselves. I right? wish there was some just terrible VHS tape from like the late '80s or whenever they did this when they were going on their Bill and Ted routine. That just, I, I I still have a hard time imagining. So they were the performers of this bit too, right? Yeah. It was Matheson and Solomon. So they were playing these Bill and Ted guys. They're just doing like nascent surfer bro dummies, right? But what's interesting to me is like, like what does that circuit look like? I, it's it's kind of in the same way that I'm interested <laughs> in seeing like video clips of like the old, like Cheech and Chong is the same way, right? It's just there. It's these two guys they met and they decided to perform like this stage production it was like a live audience stage production before for a decade well sort of it was ever turned into a movie they're like in i wouldn't call it a stage production i would call it just like a very loose improv set where i think the bit was just they are bill and ted and people ask them questions just about Mm -hmm. the world and then they just answer questions so that was kind of the format just this loose thing but that but but were they only doing this when they were in college I guess is the question. Because I I believe they wrote the first movie like not that long after college. Right. They were in their like mid 20s. Okay. So it's not, it's not, Cheech and Chong is not the good analogy just because they didn't have like a professional road circuit of performing this show for like a decade, which then turned into a movie. Okay. It it wasn't that. It was was basically just they just liked these goofy characters and were like, what if they were? What if there was a movie about these guys? Wouldn't it be funny if they had to like save the world somehow? Yeah, I mean, that was basically <laughs> it. But what I yeah. think is interesting, also in terms of like how Face the Music came together, it was like the impetus for it really seemed that because Ed Solomon wrote um, Mosaic, the Steven Soderbergh HBO miniseries that was also like an interactive like film you could watch on an app right. and like choose different directions. And uh, and also Solomon wrote what's supposed to be Soderbergh's next movie, I believe, Kill Switch, uh, mm-hmm. a crime movie that Soderbergh was about to shoot and then COVID hit. But uh, it was when they got linked up on Mosaic and apparently Solomon just told Soderbergh about it. And he was like, that's a really good idea. Yeah. That should happen. And then like... Uh, it was Soderbergh who who brought in director uh, 
Dean uh, Parasot, Parasot, uh, who's obviously the guy who made Galaxy Quest. And um, and that seemed to really get the ball rolling. Because what right. I had theorized for a while... Galaxy Quest is so good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, tell me you just brought in the d- director of Galaxy Quest to this endeavor. <laughs> because yeah. I was not in, and now I'm in. <laughs> but that's what interests me. Like, I assumed that, that this finally got greenlit because of the resurgence in, in Keanu's career. Where studios are, yeah. were just like looking at it being like, oh man, people love Keanu now. He's in all these John Wick movies. Maybe it's time to <laughs> dust off that other property we got sitting on the shelf. Yeah. It, I mean, it has to be all of the above, right? It can't. I, I'm sure Keanu helped now because apparently they had to actually kind of like talk Alex Winter into returning to acting. Right. Yeah. Well, because he's probably stiff. I Another thing I read was that Alex Winter had to take acting classes or not that he had to, but he decided to take acting classes again because he'd been off camera for so long that he was like i don't even know if i can do you know bill again well imagine if it's just gonna be awkward and dusty and people are just gonna think it's creepy now like i'm trying to so he had he decided to actually take classes again formally that's a good question is like that was the first question in my head when i heard that bill and ted 3 was gonna happen was like is it going to be fun or sad and or creepy that these men are still like this. are still like this uh, doing this. I mean, they're what is the t- thirty years older? <laughs> yeah, no, they're in their fifties. I do have to say, um, you know, just dropping my opinion in early. Uh, that was one of my like biggest issues with this movie is that I did find something about their performances fundamentally creepy, and it was hard for me to put a finger on why I felt that way. And I think part of it is their respective ages. Um and kind of creepy, creepy. Yeah, yeah creepy. I was thinking. I found I found Keanu in particular, uh, to just not be as capable of giving off that like exuberance that just has to do with the fact that he's fucking like in his twenties when he's you know what I mean. Like, this is what I find really should interesting. Be, they should be subtly. They should have a bit of more gravitas to them. That's not to say they shouldn't be ludicrous individuals, but like. That's why when they like meet their older selves, I was kind of hoping that they would like die with them or something. <laughs> something a little bit heavy should happen. I mean, I did right. not want them to die. <laughs> I will say, Bill and so, Ted die in this well, movie. the old Bill and Ted, yeah. not the fifties-year-old ones. But no, I but I thought, the- even I don't think like th- th- these movies don't. I, I don't think this should have had Bill and Ted die, even even when they're old. I don't think there's anything to gain from them, like dying in this yeah. story i don't know I, maybe they disagree. benjamin button <laughs> maybe they get maybe they hit 98 and then benjamin button back but just imagine die? alex winter being like what people don't understand about jeffrey epstein is that he's <laughs> he's the tip of the iceberg in terms of the pedophile yeah. network and then all of a sudden they're like can you be ted or bill and he's like Whoa. yeah <laughs> jake it's what this, if we all played music together <laughs> this is interesting like i didn't like I, I have I've been thinking a lot about the performances, but nothing to me read as creepy. Uh, creepy, not in the sense that, that. Cre- creepy, but not in the sense that they are like now suddenly I'm getting this vibe that they're like gross or weird or or or, or creepy in like who the characters are, but like just the thought itself kind of creeped me out. Like as opposed to being endearing. Like look at these characters who are you know these quote pure paragons of just pure silliness and joy and 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 companionship 
and uh, and now let's jump cut fifty years later, and and part of it is like yeah, uh, Alex Winter had to take acting classes. They both feel a little stiff in their roles, which I think, as opposed to trying to push away from, which is what the vibe that I got they were trying to do, which is like let's just pretend like literally no time has passed. Their characters are exactly the same. Um, they could have embraced the fact that they're stiff and have kind of lost some of that yeah. bouncy exuberance and they didn't you could tell that they really tried to make that conscious decision to just let's keep them exactly the same as they were in bogus journey and excellent adventure but that the actual actors keanu and alex couldn't do it because Here's- too much life had happened to them and keanu reeves has been like you know john wick and neo and that alien from the day the earth stood still like those characters <laughs> he's been he's been those characters for so long that he's like we watched what was it the night before right remember yeah. how insanely bouncy and cartoonish his performance was yeah and i was excited for bill and ted 3 because i was like okay that like keanu's gonna dust this off and we're gonna see some like we could see some really over-the-top, cartoonish, hilarious stuff from him that we've never gotten in, like, 30 years since. Um, but I just don't think he can do it. And Disagree. You know, but, okay, well, tell me ooh. why. I mean, do you think that they made a really conscious choice to downplay it? Well, no, I just, I want to, like, if we're going to just do the sort of, like, pie-in-the-sky yeah. counterfactual rewrite, I, I, I would right. say that, yes, I agree with Jake that, there was something there was a bit of dissonance in them now as 50 plus year old men kind of trying to resurrect uh this like same energy when what i think they should have done is embrace the fact that they they themselves as characters should be so i think should be slightly beaten down by the fact that they haven't done the thing and it's all about like passing passing off generational you know, like, like th- they should be losing it a bit, I think. Mm-hmm. And then, so that their daughters end up being, like, more of a sharp contrast to their former selves. Which is, like, the important thing is, like, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's kind of like Blade Runner 2049. Oh, you're not the savior? No, th- this is... Uh- so I was thinking about that specifically. I, uh, I mean, like, I, 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 have, I have takes on this, but I'm, I'm waiting until... Oh yeah, but so but but I disagree with Jake that they can't do it because I think in the film they do it, but I think it should have been I think we should have gotten more alternate Bill and Ted's mm-hmm. because whenever they were doing a character where they had a bunch of dumb prosthetics or weird clothes, that was always the funnest, most like delightful Those all rule aspect That's- of it. Those were funnier, I agree. Like, but, I could take or leave, like, the stunt casting with, like, Kid Cudi or, like, uh, uh, yeah, B- Dave I'm, Grohl or whatever. Like, I, I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, none of that, like, makes me, like, go, like, oh, oh cool. Like, <laughs> I just, I, I liked I liked all the alternate Teds and, like, the splitting timelines and how it comments on how they are now, potential, like, ways they could have been. Like, it's very, like, a Christmas story <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, yeah. Well, so and this and then a, they could be like kind of bland fifty-year-old guys who were once beach bum rocker dudes. Right. So I've th- th- I've been thinking about this uh, because um, more with Keanu than Alex Winter, I think uh, Keanu has like changed more significantly. Yeah. His voice is much deeper. It is. I mean, this is 
it's a thing that I find interesting, especially because, you know, literally the intro to our podcast. Oh, I never said the intro. Can I say the intro now? Sure. Yeah. Welcome back to Can't Get Enough of Keanu, the internet's premier Keanu Reeves podcast in which we explore the filmography of that great, ageless, enigmatic Canadian actor, movie by movie. I'm Patrick Willems. I'm Matthew Torpy. And I'm no, Jacob Torpy. Oh, shit. Oh, wow, oh, we've really we're, forgotten we're all so how this rusty. shit works. Without a table to sit around, we don't know what we're doing. You know but what this I, reminds me of? Because we're 43 minutes in. I'm just thinking of those kids that reacted to the Phil Collins in the air tonight. Oh, yeah. And they're like, I never seen someone drop a beat three minutes into the song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. They really had a video where people like hadn't heard wait, in you, the air wait, tonight. Wait, Jake, you haven't seen this? It's no. like a, it, yeah, it, it, it's very nice. It's these two brothers who do, they're like teens and they do like song reactions. And it it's like... It's really endearing. That's great. Because uh, they love the song. To yeah. be fair, I mean, there still aren't... I can't really think of too many songs off the top of my head that wait the, like such a good amount of time. They just leave... It, a song That's that just right. leaves and, you well, with bated breath waiting for that ones beat. Ones that were like a huge pop hit. Yeah. Right. It's so wild. Oh. Uh, all right, Philly. <laughs> uh, Y'all are sleeping on him. To, okay, so, so the thing that I was getting at was... In the intro to our podcast, we refer to Keanu as ageless, and he is so often talked about as like, oh my, you know, there's all the memes about Keanu doesn't age. Yeah, and, he's a vampire from the 17th century or whatever. Right, and the yeah. thing is, he does look great for a 55-year-old man. Yeah. But what's interesting about Keanu is for a guy who does not always uh, look the age that he is, he has changed significantly over... 30 something years and yeah. like his voice has gotten so much deeper his it, it, it's the basically the way Keanu looks uh especially when you compare him to how he is in the late 80s it yeah. look, he's like a man who has lived a very difficult life and has been and obviously you know has. Keanu ha, ha, has had like various like tragedies in his life but he seems like a man who has like sort of been just like weathered a lot over <laughs> you know, time and, and like he's a, which is so perfect for like john wick because he is a guy who is like yeah gone through a lot and is being dragged back in and is in and is like in pain and does not want to be there but the and which is why it's the perfect role for him now but it's interesting like th the thing is like i just like fundamentally keanu physically like his face cannot go into the the ted smile he doesn't. Right. He's not the same person anymore. His yeah. face is a little way. stiff, don't you think? It, well, you know, but like, not necessarily. Like, I can't criticize Keanu Reeves for not being able to like revert to his physical self from 1988. You know who can revert to their physical self from 1988? Jim Carrey. There <laughs> that you man, go. That man is 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 a perfect example of somebody it. the same age ish, right? who can still do all the insane facial gymnastics. Did you just watch Sonic the Hedgehog? No. <laughs> it's I, I, I just that movie looked that, bad. But just because that's the movie that people point to as being like, Jim Carrey is basically giving a mid-90s Jim Carrey performance. I haven't seen yeah. it. But, uh, but the thing is, like, like, Keanu has just changed, and that's yeah. just the nature of it. I, I found Alex Winter, like, like honestly, like, especially watching all three together, like, other than just like having more lines on his face, like 
being extremely consistent. He slips uh, into the shoes better, I think. Yeah. He does. Well, and it's also one thing um, that I found interesting. Uh, Bridget uh, Lundy-Payne, who plays mm-hmm. uh, Billy Keanu's daughter, is doing a, a pre- like, really nails a lot of the young Keanu <laughs> physicality. I was just going to say, they do a better job. I was having more fun watching them and, and Hugo Weaving... Uh, Samara Weaving. Samara Weaving. Uh, not Hugh. I know it's Hugo, not Hugo Weaving. Weaving. <laughs> Imagine yes. if they cast Hugo Weaving. I was just... having more fun watching them. Yeah. And again, I think this actually plays to the strengths of the movie's theme. Mm-hmm. I was having more fun watching them kind of do these approximations, right? Of like those people. I don't think uh, Samara Weaving gets as close to young Alex Winter, but Bridget Lundy Payne, like, really, just at certain times. The way their head will just like move or like like while doing gestures, yeah. it's like uncanny sometimes. But this is what I found interesting because I think, uh, in terms of like the the two Bill and Ted sequels, I think Bogus Journey is obviously because you know it has like double the budget. That is the one that you know has the most like kind of gonzo energy, the most like inventiveness, the most crazy shit, right. But, there's this like, um, face the music has this sort of like like, just like this deeper emotional core to it, and it has this real like thematic consistency that I, especially on second viewing, that I found really interesting and like really compelling, because it there is like, like a sadness to it for a movie that is a very upbeat movie. Mm-hmm. It is okay. I'm, I'm gonna get into like some like mildly heavy shit. For a minute here, Ooh, go because for this it. is what I was thinking about. Well, just, we t- we talked about Q and shit, so you there can do there you go. You yeah, but sorry, so, we brought up the terrible political state of the country, so you go for right. a fun Bill and no, Ted. No, th- this isn't this isn't that. This is more about like my great fears in my life and stuff like that. Shoot, but uh, but so like Ooh, juicy. Um, Keanu is the one who, when like like when they come back home, I think after their like couples <laughs> therapy, is the one who says, "I'm tired, dude." Yeah. And he's the one yeah, who brings sad. up, like, that he's talking to someone about, like, selling his guitars. Like, Keanu, he, he seems like the more tired one, and he is... And the thing is, I, this is what I've been thinking about. Um, I do think, Jake, you're right that they... it There's definitely the opportunity to lean m- further into just, like, the... Just, like, the depressing shit. And just right. them, like, sort of, like, being resigned to... Like n- not living up to their dreams. Even and if just it's Alex older. Winter, like even you know, even if it's Bill, like maybe t- picking up more of the slack, and Ted's the one who is like having a harder time. Right, but but the, there's yeah. this is a very tricky thing because there. Okay, there's plenty of stories. Of, okay, um, as much as I think it's great in that movie, we don't want to see Bill and Ted as old Luke Skywalker. Right, we don't want to see like where they've given up and are miserable. That's because they have like, right. um, they like past the flame. Right, like Prometheus. there is. I feel like there is like a threshold for how for something, especially as positive as Bill and Ted, for how depressing uh, people are willing to have it go. Like we don't. No one needs like the Logan 
of Bill and Ted. <laughs> That's actually I Ted Theodore Logan's next movie. Is fucking <laughs> <laughs> Logan? Exactly. His daughter is just that like, and, and, wolf girl, <laughs> and, and, and and his dad is just Professor X, and he just has to drag him around while while murdering people. And he's just like, "You never grew up." And he's yeah. just like, "Shut up, Dad." Right. John, Johnny Cash is hurt playing over the trailer. <laughs> exactly, but like that's the thing. It's like there is to, there, is, and I do feel like they. They could have leaned into it a bit more, but I feel like there's only so far people like even like there reaches a point where people are just like, I don't want Bill and Ted to make me this sad. Well, yeah. Okay. Dark when I said they should Ted. die, I meant during that epilogue scene or whatever. Epilogue? They get kind of like their nice death. They get their nice death. It's not they do die and that's sad, but they play guitars and then they both with smiles on their faces, drop to the ground, and you get the flatline noise. That's what I wanted. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I still, I, I, for me, like, like, I think it's important to, and I, I stand by this, I think it's important to have Bill and Ted basically, like, that, their ending to be, e- like, like, they're eternal. E- right. Even, like, even when they are old and, and crotchety and their backs hurt, like, like we, ne- they, they don't have a definitive ending. They, they do kind of go on forever. But, but time is a flat circle, and Rufus died. Whatever. That is true. Uh, but, but he's not the savior of humanity. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, here's the point that I was going to get at. Right. So the thing about the inherent sadness to this movie is, and 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 I've been thinking about this for the like the past week. Um, it it does kind of get. This is a movie that sort of explores one of my personal great fears. Mm-hmm. in life which is like i have i'm very upfront about like my major ambitions and goals for my life mm-hmm. and i think uh, i think frequently about what if i don't do those things right what what if i i hit my 50s and i have not done the thing that i've been saying i would and wanted to do since i was like a teenager that right. is th- this like that is a thought Saying it right now, I am just getting depressed. <laughs> and this and, is the real stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, and it's like, for instance, can I can I bring up like maybe the most depressed I've ever been watching a movie? And and it's and it's uh, it's about this specific kind of thing. I think I know the movie song? you're gonna say, but yeah, go for no, it. No, 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 no. I uh, it is the um it is the Mike Birbiglia film. Don't think twice. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, you told me about this. I I still haven't just, seen it, but yeah, you just told me. Just people making peace with having failed at a goal. No, well, it's not even that. Have you seen that movie? I have, but I, I honestly like. It, I can't it'll be about like the the improv group and like right. Okay. And Keegan Michael Key goes to uh, SNL basically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So I should say the point that I saw this movie. I think it was like 2016. It was it was at a point when the YouTube channel was making zero money. Uh, I was broke. It was it was also after any of the potential like uh, like career opportunities from that it came along because of the Wes Anderson X Men video had dried up. Yeah, right. And so I was like totally back at square one, and I had no idea how I was going to turn this thing into a, like a career. And it was also um, all of the videos back then were all like narrative shorts. So I fully depended on like you two. Uh, to like like I needed other people to be in to be in the stuff that I was making to get any career that I wanted to have from it Mm -hmm. and my fear because like obviously our good friend and past past and future guest of the the show Mike Curran had moved to Philadelphia 
mm-hmm. and was still involved, but like was not there in person. And this is a funny saying as Matt is like days away from actually moving <laughs> out of the city. Yeah, yeah. But a thing that like terrified me was what if I'm in like my late 30s? I am still trying to like make a career with these videos and my friends have all moved out of the city and have like kids and stuff like that and I'm still here doing like just making these silly videos hoping that maybe one day they'll make money and all of my friends have moved on and don't have time to like do this anymore mm-hmm. and uh and that's what that movie that, that movie is about like these this like improv group who are like getting in their like late 30s and Mike Birbiglia's character is like like he's still living in like a like a shitty apartment from like his 20s and he's so intent on making this work and then his other friends are like having to leave the group or like they're getting signs to like SNL and right. he mm-hmm. is just still there and I'm like oh no this is this is going to happen to me this is like this is everything I'm terrified of and it this <laughs> is so bleak and I feel so awful I know this movie is technically a comedy but I just am like so sad and so yeah. Bill and Ted does not like, but for instance, I I think like if I watched Bill and Ted face the music like maybe four years ago, uh, it would have also like hit like hit me like like not as hard as Don't Think Twice, but like right. it, it, I think it taps into that thing that I, like I think about a lot, and I think is. Uh, but by the way, I should say eventually uh, I got a career with the YouTube thing and I no longer need Matt. So Matt, get the fuck out of here. I'm, I don't need you anymore. <laughs> yeah, you thought I was moving yeah, voluntarily. <laughs> yeah. No, to be clear, Matt, Matt, will, Matt will still absolutely be involved. In I've outlived my utility. <laughs> <laughs> no, but the, Bill and Ted is, is about people that, well, I, I think it's a broader and more, first of all, you do understand that like, aside from the negative stuff, the fact that like, oh, you know, Maybe people will like be elsewhere or have children, and right. then like it, you'll you'll probably be in your late thirties when. Oh yeah, <laughs> an oh, actual course. opportunity of like significance comes across, but like right, but 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 also just the thing of like not even be making any money doing the thing that you enjoy doing. Right, right. But what I think is what I think is nice about Bill and Ted, and uh, is something that can be taken away to other people, just kind of like, you know, trying trying to pursue creative goals and interests and getting discouraged by success which is like a big part of the like the boogeyman idea in bill and ted's heads it's like you know their whole metric was chart like how they charted right yeah and And how they charted based on like how things in the 80s used to chart right and how they just like ceased to matter and played smaller and smaller venues and like that was their metric and that's what was depressing them and like you could say that they lost, they lost like I don't know the, whatever you could call it. It's kind of cliche or, or trite or whatever. But like the the larger importance of of wanting to make anything, uh, right? And they they, they, they they were basically spent decades making music that they hoping it would be like to unite the world, like a huge hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. like they massively were, ambitious, and and they technically aren't the people who do that even in this you know like they right. they they didn't fail they just didn't do it in the way they thought i think that's I, a, I, a, a, a taken broadly as like a metaphor to be applied in different contexts i think that's like a pretty healthy way to potentially look at here's yeah. what i pursuits here's here's my feeling about how they could have adjusted the like the movie a little bit in order to 
help address some of the weird feelings I had with watching these two guys is as actually downplay their involvement and maybe have this movie had focused on the their two daughters a little more heavily instead. Um, and really then allowed them because they would be playing sort of backseat characters in the first place, the ability to be very different people from who they were 30 years ago. And they don't have to go full Luke Skywalker in the last Jedi or whatever, where they're like evil or something or like, you know what I mean? Like they could well, still like basically just like be chucking the might, their guitars into like, like off a cliff. Yeah. I mean, like, you could still, that. you could still have them be like these strange, completely clueless, but lovable goofballs. But, um, but have them really take a backseat to, to the two daughters. And maybe that's then just, um, playing forward too much what ends up being kind of like the twist not that i want to say there's a twist to this movie which is that it's their daughters who are the ones that wrote the song that's unites the world um, right you know which what, it is could what be. they find at the end and that might be you know pushing that twist too too up at the front so so you really do kind of want a blade runner 2049 where there's the, yeah. the protagonists are like i don't want to call it i want a blade runner 2049 you want a blade runner 2049 <laughs> on your hands don't you i love that movie blade runner 2049 is great but um no that's what you want interesting like i i want i, I want the ted's coming out of like silicone sacks with goo and jared leto is building them for some jared Leto's rubbing faces <laughs> yeah. rubbing your fucking uterus and then slitting you open being like i want to create life and that's just <laughs> jupiter ascending but uh i will say i'm really proud of uh the way I inserted the I create life clip. If you, into the new video. Be the, that was the only thing where if you didn't put that in there, I would have been pissed off. Oh yeah. And you did. So good job. But, uh, Jake, I, I actually fundamentally disagree. I, uh, with that, honestly, Ooh, I will if I say, wasn't remote right now, Oh, you would have been physically fighting. <laughs> oh each other. my God. I, <laughs> the I, table. I would, you see that C stand behind me? Yeah. Oh my God. I, I I'd be if swinging you don't think your, your skull would be caved in by that. You're I'd wrong. like to see you try block and i'm holding up my arm right now to show you what would have happened with the c-stand yeah that yeah. what the c-stand is made of steel think about <sighs> but jake's forearm is something that but jake's a robot he's 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 like the dennis of the group yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but i can't believe i can't believe we're all like we're an hour in we haven't we uh, we talked about dennis aka like my favorite character in 2020 cinema yeah. um to, to be clear there's not a lot of competition in 2020 cinema but <laughs> yeah but like, there is no 2020 cinema yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> But no, um, I I will say one thing that I I wish that and I know this movie is a very tight ninety minutes. Um, I wish the daughters had been able to get a bit more development early right. on in the movie because they're like when they're introduced, uh, it's it's pretty quick. It's just like they are very positive and love music and think their dads are great and then want to help their dads out. And I think what kind of gets buried a little bit is right. um but like on second viewing I, th I thought was interesting is because if, again they don't necessarily like write the song at the end they kind of like produce the song they like right. put everything together <laughs> they and, have like novation touch like beat pads right and like <laughs> and, sampling and they basically like select everybody and like get them all organized and like like make it happen but like when when you see like uh that just like obviously they're they are actually positive about the 
Uh, can someone, Jake, you have a computer. Look up the name of the song that Bill and Ted perform at the wedding because it rules. Yeah. Oh, it's personally yeah. my favorite one of their songs. It's great. But I, uh, but like they're into like, you know, Bill's throat singing and stuff like that. Uh, and then when you see Bill and Ted talking to them in the garage, they are like really um, well versed in music. <laughs> they seem it, like really, they seem like smart homeschooled kids. Right. But the, the, <laughs> Uh, um, but they're like music nerds. They have like a really deep, like, but they know physics too. Once they start talking to, to kid Cuddy, to kid Cuddy. Right. But like, for instance, like, um, Bill and Ted in the original movies, did you find it? Yeah. Uh, the song is called that, which binds us through time, the chemical, physical, and biological nature of love and the exploration of meaning. Part one. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's pretty good. What they end up writing is basically a John Anderson song, which actually (laughs) made me laugh extra hard. Honestly, I I gotta (laughs) say, um, uh, uh, Ted's theremin playing rules. Um, But uh, what I was going to get at was, when you look at Bill and Ted in the original two movies, they want to be famous musicians. The only music they seem to have any real knowledge of is like... Iron Maiden, Van Halen, Led Zeppelin. Right. That's right. basically it. They love a specific kind of loud, epic, bombastic guitar music. Their daughters actually seem like music nerds. They actually, you know, can are, are naming like specific like live albums. They are well versed mm-hmm. in music history, and uh, which I think is interesting because these are yeah. movies that have always, especially the first one and the third one deal with history. And right. so finally, uh, you like the fact that their daughters just seem to understand, like they, they understand music better than their dads, even though their, their dads have learned how to play stuff. Like, I think there is this thing. And I, I wish the movie had been able to like spend maybe like had one extra scene early on that really, I, I feel like better established just the daughter's, love of music and how yeah. and how enthusiastic mm-hmm. they are about it like in the way that uh you know in excellent adventure bill and ted basically don't know anything about history and we're just kind of like learning and like the fun of watching them go back in time and meet everybody is watching them just kind of like learn about this basic history stuff the fun right, right. in face the music with the daughter storyline is they are basically getting to meet all of their idols and like live out like this impossible dream. And I just wish that that had been like, uh, uh, just like kind of underlined a bit more like, cause like that is kind of their defining thing. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's true. It's like, like it for, it's like, is it 90 minutes exactly? Or like, uh, like, Pretty damn Nin- close. Ninety-one or like it's it right. is. Like I mean, including the- credits, it's ninety-one. Like the movie ends 80, <laughs> 85 minutes in. You know. Yeah. All of all three movies are basically within like four minutes of each other. And- I like that. I, I think that that clip, you know, that kind of pacing, is is something I actually really appreciate a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And for a movie with like the amount of like themes and and weird scenes and ideas thrown around like i like i liked that i felt like this movie definitely retained that sense of just things going fast but like each thing also being basically very important and key to see so there's no fat on it i guess we keep saying yeah there isn't it's Um, just more like missed opportunities or like again like I, i found this movie to be 
um, yeah, of a piece with the other three in a very like in a tone way. I agree with 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 Jake that like the aesthetics of it, just having like these sort of like mid budget, you know, two thousand whatever aesthetics. The thing is, it's not. A, this is actually a relatively low budget movie for now. Right. I think it, this, it, it feels the, like that a little bit in a way that is not quite is not super pleasant. It, yeah, yeah, it doesn't serve the the movie well. I mean, I like I was looking at the budgets, and of course, like a 1991 budget is not the same as the same amount of money in 2020. But like adjusted, what would you say? But like adjusted, this had like half the budget of Bogus Journey. Right. It's and crazy. I because and by that I mean they had basically the same budget but 30 years apart. Okay. What's interesting yeah. is that Bill and Ted for such a cultural phenomena, like almost anybody even, I mean, I hadn't seen these movies until recently. I could still tell you what they were and I could right. probably quote a couple lines from the movies. Like they're embedded so culturally into, at least in the United States, I guess, pop culture. Um, but Solomon and Matheson and Reeves and Winters, even with all of them on board and ready to do this thing, even with Keanu having had kind of a career resurgence with being in John Wick, they had an odd amount of trouble getting money for this movie. You'd think that they everybody would kind of consider it a little bit of a no-brainer, or that it would be um, much more of a sure bet in a lot Especially, of producers' eyes. Yeah, because we've been talking about this sense of like time collapse, which yeah. I think is again in in small part also just this bizarre. Um, I, I don't know if this is even a really a trend. I'm just kind of like pulling this out of my butt. But like, I, I think the nostalgia play has picked up its pace a bit. And certain yeah. fire properties God. are like but this, constantly being... It's existing you know, IP, which everybody loves. Right. Nobody wants to come up with new shit. This isn't new shit. It's Repeats existing shit. things up a bit. Like, <laughs> right, I think yeah. That, yeah. This is what... like I've been thinking about this a lot, especially like rewatching all these movies. Um, because, yeah, exactly. We are at a point in... Like, honestly, the past, like, 15, 20 years of cinema, like, you know, IPs have become the most valuable thing in the world for movie studios, especially now when, like, you know, it becomes, it's harder to convince people to go to a movie theater. Yeah, And exactly. so, uh, so people want to see safe bets and want to see things that, that where they... I know I literally just released a video, uh, you know, kind of complaining about this, but it is the truth that because... Going to the theater, it can can be a hassle, and movie tickets cost more than they did before, and there's so much stuff to watch it like at home on streaming and, and that kind of thing. So um, that's why studios are relying on safe bets, like properties people are familiar with that they can count on. And uh, and what I find interesting, like there's so many like lega sequels being the term that's been coined, <laughs> uh, you know, to describe them. And this, these have been happening for a while, but you even get giant budgeted ones for movies that were never hits. Yeah. Blade Runner was not a hit. It was a financial no. disappointment. And yet Warner Brothers spent like $200 million on a sequel just being like, well, you know, a lot of people have gotten into it since then. So presumably it's popular now. Oops, turns out that movie underperformed at the box office. Tron was not a hit when it came out. Right. And then they just waited like, you know, 30 years. And then we're like, well, you know, like people have heard of Tron by now, right? So let's spend $200 million on a sequel to it. Oops, turns out it was another financial disappointment. <laughs> the Bill and Ted movies, especially the first one, so the first one cost in like 89 money. Uh, 
$6.5 million. Right. The second one in 91 money cost 20, no, $20 million. But both of those like were successful. The first right. one made like eight times its budget back. Mm. And so the fact that it was so difficult to get another one of these made right. is bizarre. It's very surprising. all three of the examples you gave are like 80s cult hits that have mm-hmm. had time to age with the respective audience to like whatever, you know, people like older than us, basically. Right. I but would say people we're pretty young on the young end of the spectrum. At, yeah, we weren't alive when Blade Runner came out. No, and then like as millennials, you know, or whatever, like it's more like 40-year-old people. Right, yeah. but that's that's the weird thing about like again. I am very happy that they made Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But uh, if I was the head of a studio, I probably would not have greenlit it. But that move, but that move bespeaks something, and it feels like there's either the the box office successes that people are trying to revive, or or, or there's something more intangible like the um the, the like like people gauging cult hit status and and disregarding right. box office. Like and trying to be a little bit more like, you know, creative with their moves as as executives, where they're like they'll they'll fund something that is now regarded as you know a masterpiece. But uh, right. But, but at like, the time, is, had a little bit more. They still want to make money. They still want to make buku bucks off it. Yeah, I mean, Bill and, and Ted, the original one, when it came out, right? Didn't so, that yeah, I don't languish, get why this would have had that such languish though for a while because people weren't sure what to do with it at first. Didn't that movie kind of sit in storage for a year and a half, two years? Yes, before they was, even released, it was very weird. It was uh, like with the original movie, it set because um, it set in '88, but came out like in '89, mm-hmm. and uh, it's like. I think also the, the studio just like, I think the studio that, that like produced it like ran out of money and then it was like bought by another one, but it was mm. almost released direct to video. Uh, right. It like sat on the shelf for a year. They thought it just might never come out. And finally they had a test screening and it did great and people loved it. And they were like, oh, yeah. maybe, maybe we should release it. But yeah, <laughs> the, the, the whole thing is oh. weird. And oh. and a thing that I, because like with so many of these like Lego sequels, they're usually yeah. about you know, younger characters meeting the older versions of the original characters. And it's interesting looking at the way, the different ways they, they play with them because uh, like what Bill and Ted does. And I, I, I honestly, I think the movie made the right call, even though this is not how Jake feels by still having Bill and Ted as the protagonists. Right. Because I think this is also um, while something like, uh, like, you know, Blade Runner is a, is mostly a new story about, and th- and then the person has to s- seek out the original protagonist, right? Or like the way that um, like the way that the new Star Wars movies, and by that I mean I'm not gonna count Rise of Skywalker, uh, d- deal with it is interesting because it's basically people who have it's the, about characters who kind of like grew up. Like as like Star Wars fans, but with different right. perspectives on it, then dealing with like, like like grappling with it, encountering their their heroes for the first time, right, like mythological figures at this point, right? Exactly. Right. But with Bill and Ted, again, the movies are called Bill and Ted, and and so and I, it's always been about them, and I think. Like what's important about this movie is that they are still the main characters, but it's them. Basically, like, if the first movie is basically about learning why it's important to like go to school, yeah. and the second movie is about <laughs> basically learning to like accept the responsibility of being an adult, 
Right. Uh, this is basically just a, a movie about grappling with reaching middle age and and accepting that, like, you know, you have, like, you, maybe you're just not going to accomplish all your hopes and dreams, and maybe you need to shift your priorities. But, you know, nah. but I think form can match function there more so, because I'm kind of, I feel like I'm between you and Jake's opinion. Right. Which is that I think that, I think that the way they, like, reveal the daughters and and like keep the keep Bill and Ted as the protagonist makes total sense but I think you should literally have like a shift in focus in the mid movie where like it's a Bill and Ted adventure they're going off they're having hilarious I loved all the early stuff I loved them at marriage counseling I loved all that I think what you slowly realize is that Bill and Ted are are um are like encountering their wives more and like mending a marriage and learning how they've failed again as middle-aged men and dealing with like the, what would seem to be banal, but is like primary of primary importance in life. Meanwhile, the daughters are doing what Bill and Ted did in like their history report Mm -hmm. where they're, you've, you've established them as like avid music fans and savants that are like, gathering all these people that they know so much about and they're you know and then and then you have the final reveal of like bill and ted have kind of through time trying to do something else have accidentally mended their marriage and learned a bunch of lessons and then they like with their wives who they've now reconnected with are now looking at their children they had with them anew and being like oh duh like you guys are our creative act and like you will now yeah. do this thing. I, that's I p- also a, think... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, that's a pretty, like, light polish on the movie that's there. That's what I'm saying, is it's it's, it's close. It's yeah. super close. And the it's, thing is... You need a uh, longer runtime, though. Honestly, like now minutes. that I'm... I, I, think I know you I do said it in before, 10 minutes I'm glad more. that this is... That I'm glad that this was a tight, kind of shorter runtime movie. The more I think about it and listen to you guys talk, the more I wonder, it's like do you need an extra half hour to actually have, because Bill and no. Ted and their two daughters <laughs> do not interact at all. Not until not, they get to hell. Not until they, yeah. Like, so they're in, they're dead. They're all dead before they even start really communicating with each other. Should we not have maybe been given at the beginning alongside like the marriage counseling scene, which I agree is pretty funny. Um, some extra scenes just to buffer out like what the relationship they have at all with their daughters is in the first place to then give you something to to work with when you come to the end of the movie and there's this you know big revelation right i mean that that is the question and we constantly get into like rewriting movies right yeah show and uh and this is it's a thing that i've been thinking about because again this is a very tight movie and I'm really hesitant to look because like, like watching it again, it was, I watched it a week ago and I often, I I'm not going to want to watch a movie that I watched again that I watched so recently. Right. Uh, and this was, this was like, honestly, I, I liked it more on the second viewing. I, the, the, I, maybe I sound dour. I, I try, I tend to like overemphasize what I didn't like about something. Mm-hmm. And Jake, I feel like you're similar to, I feel like Jake and I have a similar reaction to a lot of films. You which are is, brothers. We're brothers. We come out of certain things, and then we do a little post-mortem in it, and, and we tend to sour ourselves on it a Right. Tiny the best amount. example I remember is when me and you uh, watched The Force Awakens for the first time. 
which yeah. we went into and we were like, oh, this is going to be fun. We're just going to have a rip roaring good old time. Watch Star Wars again for the first time in a long <laughs> while. And we watched the movie and we loved it. We were like totally engaged and stuff. And then we got like burgers or something afterwards and just talked about the movie. And we talked about it and nitpicked it for so long <laughs> that we were like, what's wrong with us? We fucking hate this movie now. Like, how did <laughs> we not- go from like coming out with, like just totally in great moods? Like, yeah, we just saw Star Wars. This is awesome. Yeah, and then over like a half hour of eating a hamburger, we were like, that movie was stupid. <laughs> well, like, how did we, how did we just so quickly sour on it? I don't know that if it's is, a great, that is uh, a pretty intense case. And I, and yeah. I stand by the postmortem <laughs> assessment of that movie now, unfortunately, I will say right. as someone who has thoughts, This is not a brag in any way. I'm pretty sure I've spent more time thinking about that movie than you guys have. No one can consider that a brag, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm not (laughs) proud of it. Um, Fucking loser, dude. That that is a movie that I have... And and again, this is is me approaching these things differently than, than you. I have major, major issues with that movie that have only gotten deeper since Rise of Skywalker came out. Mm -hmm. And I still think that, like, the most of the essential stuff works. I mean, I was I was just telling that story to just give an example of me and Matt right, just we nitpicking we don't need stuff. To have a Star Wars conversation, but, but no, like no, I I, I, I know how Pacific you two are. Room. See, and, and and my thing tends to be I don't talk myself into liking something that I didn't like. Right, but I like you know again I I want to love every movie that I watch, and yeah. I, I, I and I I feel like I'm I'm. I, I, I'm like I'm, I'm aware of the flaws and the problems that are there, but I don't necessarily dwell on them. Right. Especially if a movie offers like really like great pleasures, that I'm not going right. to be like, oh, but there, there's those like three like 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 moments, or, or, or like they they did they didn't totally nail like the conclusion of this character's arc, and now well, it's all ruined. Part right. of my not, problem, not to say that you guys are like that. Part of my problem, and, and I'm and I'm sure a lot of people are like this too is that, you know, any movie viewing is so dependent on your immediate mood. And yeah. I've had movies, you know, I've watched it one day and then the next day and had completely polar opposite opinions of it. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it was about this one. I watched it kind of later in the afternoon. I was just chilling, but there was just something that felt amiss, right? Well, just I'm saying, really... Jake, that that I agree with you, Yeah, but I think the the, you know... The Force Awakens or whatever is an is the extreme example. Like I, I don't often feel that strongly. Yeah, me neither. Obviously. I think, and that with this movie, it was just more like on hindsight. And j- first, there was just the immediate dissonance of just like it's kind of cheaper CGI and just like the, the you know Bill and Ted are, are old and there's just a, something vaguely off about the performance. Uh, but nothing that's made me like going to make me hate the movie. Like I enjoyed. Oh no! The movie. Well, yeah, that's also a fundamental thing about these movies. They're kind of impossible to hate. Like I can understand somebody being like Bill the- and Ted, not for me, you know. But like, it's just I, like I just don't want to be sitting to be here like- going like it was sick. I loved it. It was fucking so fun and sick. I loved it. So I just end up sounding, I think, a little more right. Critical, you you, you right? zero Grumpy. in on, on because like <laughs> the, the things to analyze there are like the criticisms, right? Yeah. But yeah, no, this is. I mean, the thing is, um, even like I have my issues with this movie, mm-hmm. but I, uh, but it's also one of those things. It, it's like, um, you know, uh, 
there's a term, like I don't know if this has become like a like a really widely used term, but I uh, but uh, I think in, in a in the post Paddington world, uh, <laughs> I've seen people refer to like those as nice core films. Yeah, nice core has caught fire. No, <laughs> yeah, but like Bill and Ted totally fall. Like they're not as good as the Paddington movies, uh, but they're like, but they fit into a similar category about these like, you know, with a just a, a very positive outlook on the world and about these really nice like optimistic positive characters just like positively impacting the world around them and right. they just sort of and like they're so well-intentioned uh and have such a, a just a good outlook on everything that right. it's like i will return to all like honestly these five movies the two paddington movies the three bill and ted movies i will return to all of these just to like put myself in a good mood that's true. Yeah, yeah. I don't I think few... I don't think it deserves its own genre distinction necessarily. It's not, it's not a genre. It's just sort of like um like you know you know, you can never have too many classifications of movies or like right. uh, just ways to group things. You know, put a letterboxed list together. I literally just made a video where I was like, "Here's a new subcategory called Gonzo blockbusters." I mean, true. that's great. Coined, coined by me, TM Patrick Willems. <laughs> I, I do like <laughs> the term Gonzo blockbusters. I love the term Nice Core. I hadn't heard that before. You know what it yeah. is, though? I, I agree with you. Now that I'm looking at it in that light, I'm like, okay, well, sometimes when I'm in a kind of a sour mood, one of my go-to songs that I'll listen to is Best of My Love by The Emotions because mm. that song is so charged with positive energy and it's quite literally worked in the sense that it's created a sincere change in like my nervous system sometimes when I've listened right. to it. And actually turn my mood around. I'm sure I have a movie that's like that. Well, that's I can't think movie, of it off the top of my head. The but, movie is um, talking about the musical experience you had. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's like the whole point. It's funny because right. it's like this movie enshrining a totally different art form. Mm -hmm. Right. And it, it's interesting that like you know, music has played a role in all of these movies. This is the one that is basically just straight up about like music uniting the universe and saving the world. And this is my greatest disappointment. And I'm not, I'm just going to say it really quick. <laughs> the, the song at the end is cringe and lame and there's nothing you can do about it. And it's specifically because they use the millennial whoop. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> Which is See, just something that's so thoroughly ruined for me, where it's like, whoa, humanity, whoa, woo. It's just like, I can't. It's what is it, like, it's like we are the world. Like, it's just so corny See, now. See, my thing is, yeah. and I can't help it, I, I can never resist the millennial whoop. Like every time there's a big sort of week. Uh, and, uh, look, we're, <laughs> we are the generation that grew up on Coldplay. Oh yeah, I know. And I, they like perfected the it. <laughs> they weaponized it. You could say, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 that's it. It's like when it comes up, like what about millennial goop and it's Gwyneth Paltrow? <laughs> <laughs> she's like, my candle smells like my vagina. Whoa. But the problem is, she's a Gen Xer. It's true. You you need her like I don't know. And so is Chris Martin. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But 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 I'm saying like he's you, allowed to invent the millennial whoop. Yeah, but right. a Gen X guy. But I'm Gwyneth saying Paltrow. Goop is also aimed at other Gen Xers. You <laughs> need, true. you need like you won't die. You need that like kind when of it's thing. like like way younger sister yeah. to then <laughs> make the millennial group. But no, but, but, millennial but, group. Like Matt, because you, you think the song at the end should have lyrics, 
Well, okay. Don't don't take what I said I off mic. That's what you said earlier. I did, but you know, listen, <laughs> listen, man. Look, what the, I say the, off mic is not canon. Fucking on the QT, dog. Uh, <laughs> I I liked. It's because you watched all three. I heard the song at the end of right. Bogus Journey, and I was like, "Fuck yeah!" The just the hair metal that they like, and I was just saying, "Lose the Millennial Whoop." You could even just have the same song that it ends face the music but then just have a sort of anthemic 80s rock element at the very end to like top it off and that's where Bill and Ted kind of get to still participate in this yeah. thing they kind of helped put together through their very existence. Oh, to to be entirely clear, be beautiful. I'm not crazy about the song at the end. I I do wish that they had been able to like I don't know bring in like some musician to really like put together something that especially like adds each instrument separately and builds on itself to create something like really euphoric. I think what they have there is like, I guess it's fine. It gets the job done. And I, and I also recognize the tricky thing for having a song that is everyone throughout space and time is playing like, you can't really have like a traditional song structure uh, with like lyrics because everyone can't really learn lyrics. Just, they were like, "Here's everyone the key." Can do chords. Here's the key, and here's the beats per minute. Right. right. And everyone can do that. But I, I do think uh, it would take the movie to another level if they did have like a a stronger song at the end. Oh, I just yeah. I, I don't have like especially mind it at the end. They should By have the way, just ca- keyed into the dog star catalog and just take it to, you know <laughs> they should have straight up ripped songs. a dog star song just oh, or, let it or as opposed to just maybe as, instead of removing the millennial whoop you include whoops from other generations and you have a gen z whoop and you have a generational whoop, whoops and you have a lost generation whoop yeah and you, you should have you, instead of even singing you, lyrics i think you should have redeemed the song they played at the beginning which was clearly the best one because i'm a pretentious asshole no 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 you're and right his, he, the, they should have come up with the theremin and the throat singing yeah they sh- yeah they should have completed whatever that song yeah. is called exactly that which uh, binds us through time the chemical the physical and biological of nature of love john anderson song i gotta say it's been <laughs> like we're, we're like pretty much 90 minutes into the episode can we please talk about dennis caleb mccoy my favorite character yes yeah. Because he's the best, and I did not realize who played him until the end credits. Okay. You know what? I'm gonna. I'm just gonna keep being mean. Uh, even he overstayed his welcome, and his 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 joke was a little one note towards the end. Matt, shut the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> no one wants the person who like watches a thing and only like like talks about like they're like minor little nitpicks he rules and and i watched you watch the movie <laughs> and you loved it then him killing the whole family though in the garage and then being like I, I, just like sh- like bouncing on the balls of his feet just like awkwardly was probably the funniest part of the movie for me it's and he's still great on second view okay so let me let me start up up front here because I can't believe I this is a movie that everyone likes and I've ended up in this position where I'm in this podcast with you two fucking naysayers <laughs> you party poopers you you bags of just miserable shit Pat this naysayers is where every, like, other def- people create literally like you create something like Bill and Ted's X three bogus <laughs> right 
or Everyone excellent I, fucking face of music or whatever. All my other friends have been texting me like, man, I enjoyed Bill and Ted 3 so much. What a fun movie. <laughs> and I ended up here and you guys were like, oh man, even the robot wasn't great. <laughs> oh, <laughs> have you just had like a great year and a fun thing comes along and and, and you're you're just like, no, I, w- I want something miserable now. Pat, Less you, fun. I don't know. You know we've been having a good year. <laughs> oh my God. Sometimes, why do I do this podcast with the two of you? Anyway, I'm going to talk now and if anyone tries to talk over me, I'll turn your mics off. It was my fault. Jake's not, Jake shouldn't be lumped into this one. Jake, did you like the robot? Oh God. Yeah, the robot's okay. (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) Wait, hold on, Pat. This has definitely happened before. There's, there's got to have been another movie we've done where like, there's yes, loads. There's has. loads and loads. That's hey, why you know Pat's what? Saying... I was pissed off when everybody else was ragging on parts per billion, and I thought oh, that movie was a okay on no, in my, my book. Jake, right? No, you didn't. And everybody Stop being here, a fool. What is wrong with this? <laughs> oh my god! We finally find a movie that everyone enjoys. And it's you... about uniting humanity. I literally watched Matt <laughs> enjoy this movie, and now he's just sitting here like just complaining. I'm really not. You're taking it too heavy. I know. I think, I think <laughs> Jake's dragging me down. I'm but, in a good but, mood right now. Jake, you know, did you like the robot? Yeah. This is the thing. Do you have anything to say? I didn't, who is Anthony Kerrigan? Because you seem to have known him He plays Noho from... Hank on Barry. He's oh, like see, my I favorite seen... character on television. I hadn't seen Barry. Lago? What's he's that? Like, he's like completely shaved. Alopecia? Uh, oh, sorry. Vitiligo's the skin thing yeah that's, that's like i yeah. think he does okay i don't think he has eyebrows yeah so he plays like that Wait, do you guys watch barry i know he no, plays like i haven't seen barry russian yeah i warlord guy uh, he, he's the best he's um uh he plays noho hank is in north hollywood hank <laughs> uh and it's just like i, I don't I, I can't remember is it, i think he's belarusian uh sure, but yeah. he's just like this sort of like this representative from this crime organization that Bill Hader deals with. And he's just, he's got this like Eastern European accent and he's like, he is a criminal and he does kill people, but he's just like, he has other interests and he just like, likes to hang out. And he's just, he's just a nice (laughs) fun guy. uh, Who's like totally bald. And he's, he's, he's delightful. You know what Dennis, Dennis is a a wildly effective character design for what he ends up being, which is why he's, he's so funny. This is what I want to get at. And I think this is, because I was um, like, he looks genuinely fucking cool. That's the thing. He's scary. Right. Well, the thing, I think this is like a Dean Parasot thing because one of the reasons that I think galaxy quest works really well is that movie looks like a proper serious sci-fi movie. The creature designs Mm. look cool. It doesn't... Yeah. Like, sometimes when you have, uh, like, a comedy in a genre, it is, like, especially aesthetically, it doesn't entirely match the aesthetics of other films and of, like, what it's riffing on. Right. And it'll just be, be, like, kind of, like, a goofier, like, just, like, kind of toned-down version of the thing they're mocking made by people who, like, aren't really well-versed in it. But, like, you look at, like, the various aliens in Galaxy Quest, and it's like, oh, they could just be in Star Trek. Like, yeah. They, yeah. They, they totally work. And I think that's the thing with uh, with Dennis uh, in in Face the Music, where when he shows up, he just looks like a cool robot. And the way that he, like, teleports through time in this weird sort of, like, it looks almost like big metal angel wings that yeah. then turn into this sort of, like, crystalline <laughs> structure like, around him. like an him. Evangelion angel. Right. <laughs> and he has this really deep voice the whole time uh, at the beginning. And then it's finally when he gets beaten up by like shredded prison Bill and Ted that then his voice starts changing. It's like once he's been humbled (laughs) and then he like loses his confidence and then he starts messing up 
and then he just becomes this just this, this like I mean, and one thing that I like about this movie is it kind of manages to like uh, strike a balance between both what Excellent Adventure does and what Bogus Journey does, where you have the storyline with the daughters hopping through history, assembling historical figures, which is what Excellent Adventure does. But it's like right. obviously it's got the spin where it's from from like the music perspective and, you know, there's something like a band. Right. Um, and then you, you have sort of like in the way that like, you know, Bogus Journey had death, like, like the, the weird heavily made up new character. This gives you the robot who becomes, you know, like, Ooh, death might actually be, might actually be my number one in this film for like the funniest actor. A hundred percent. Yeah. I, I, not a, I'm not, still going close. with Dennis, but I but I, I love Death, and also it's nice because William Sadler uh, being covered in makeup, like his him aging doesn't show as much. He looks yeah, like almost just, like, the exact same age. Yeah, it mattered so little to me, and like if anything, like he's going broader in this one than he did in Bogus Journey. Well, I think he's playing where he is at the end of Bogus Journey, like watching these movies back to back today. Rockstar. Well, Spurned in Bogus star. Journey, he is like very stiff death, right? For a while, and then by and then like by the end of the movie, he's like, "Hey guys, I'm I'm playing bass. I'm uh, in Wild Stallions." <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, that's a terrible impression of him. But like, he's <laughs> nah, like at the end, good. he's looser and confident, and like has has like adapted to his new role. And in Face the Music, he's like that. From the start, yeah, when he and yeah. by from the start, I mean from two thirds of the way through the movie when he shows up. I just like when he's just he's just so it's just like he's a guy. He just really like hits the tone. What again? We're, we're talking in such vague terms. I don't know exactly how to like technically describe what it is I'm looking for at any given moment. But like he just hits that absurd but like well acted, and very funny tone especially when he's just going in there sulking playing <laughs> playing bass in his like kind of cool minimalist house and he's like been yeah. demoted he's like not he's like not death really anymore he's like a he's like just you know just a, a PA for death yeah i would love to know who's running hell <laughs> well it was i mean in the bogus journey it's it's satan right well no, yeah. um satan he they encounter they hell encounter looks a lot like spawns hell too by the way in bogus journey do you mean face the music? No, in Bogus Journey, when they when they're all floating oh. on those like bits of rock and the chains. Oh are hell connected yeah! To that looks like straight up. That's, that looks like Spawn. That's Spawn. Have you seen the hell scene from Spawn recently? Uh, probably in the last five months. Yeah, has not <laughs> aged well. It, I mean, the CGI? No, sir. No, oh, no, no. <laughs> Laughable. Yeah, it's uh. I mean, it's it's in that like. Like Spine. late late '90s period. Uh, finally, <laughs> we, we, we returned back to our first episode with the John Leguizamo impressions. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't watched Ice Age, so I still cannot do a Sid the Sloth impression. Sid the I mean, Sloth, it's just yeah. the clown. Yeah. <laughs> do the Spawn clown, and you can basically do a Sid the Sloth impression. I also have not actually watched Spawn since I was like in middle school. But mm. a- anyway, well, the thing that I was just going to get at was um. <laughs> Satan is there in hell, like in Bogus Journey, but they don't establish like who is doing the job that Death had, right? Uh, which I, I would love to know more about. But yeah. cosmology, once again, fascinating start, fascinating. A lot of yeah. theories I want to see. But no, I I I love the appearance. I mean, like Death is it's just like 
Sadler is such a funny actor because, like, the year after Bogus Journey, he's the villain in Die Hard 2. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, w- what an interesting Great actor with, like a, like, a ton of range. Uh, I mean, like, the, I know he's been in a lot of other stuff. I know in 2013 he's the president in Iron Man 3. Uh, oh, shit. I, damn. I can't even see him in my yeah, head. Yeah. He's just, like, what a what a cool actor. And uh, But, like... Uh, He's such a pleasure as death. And one thing that, again, that I that I, I like in this movie is that, because they are... It's like Udo Kier kind of... Oh, definitely. You know? Like oh, that a pleasure. A pleasure in every film. In every film. Udo Kier, a guy who's also in multiple Keanu movies. Right, just weirdly in such a wide variety of films, too. Right, but I... Uh, with this movie, just, like, the fact that, that one of the things Bill and Ted really had to do is just, you know, get over their sort of, like, petty like conflicts from their younger selves and just like bury the hatchet with death and just like basically be adults. Right. Work get... with a difficult coworker. Right. But I, <laughs> I, I love the revelations that he's doing. He was doing 40 minute bass solos and just tried to go solo, but keep calling himself wild stallions. Like, they just weren't ready for a record that was all bass. <laughs> I really and did like that. He is it's so great. Many... Because there are so many real life analogous musicians from like oh, the seventies yeah. and eighties that did shit exactly like that. Just went off on their own, decided they were only gonna do an album full of just their instrument. Like, but still call of, themselves the name of the band so they can get all of like the record sales. <laughs> he had like that that Rick Wakeman energy. Yeah, Rick Wakeman or like Roger Waters a little bit when yeah, he decided yeah, to do yeah. the final cut. And it's he like, has you know so what? many songs or or albums that just involve the word pale. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> What was it? Pale on pale. Pale on pale is one of them. I keep but, thinking of. Is that just one called like whiter than pale or paler than white or like? He had some other one because, because white like, to again, be pale. The, the daughters who are the actual music fans are the ones who like can name the actual like the you know intros and outros to his different songs. What is it? Yeah. Whiter shade of pale is is. That's a song, that's from With Null and I, or it's in With Null and I. Yeah, who's a whiter by? shade of pale? But, Boko Haram. God, you know it should get a sequel? Something weird that doesn't say, but they're English people. What? Don't you think With Nell and I should get a sequel too? Forget 30 years later. Let's see what they're up to. What are those guys doing? I bet Withnil's doing great these days. I think Withnil's dead, so I, it's just going to be a movie about I. Is Withnil dead? Because Withnil is like definitely going to kill himself at the no, end. Of no, that no, no. Oh, oh, he I, is dead. We're saying I was like, he no. would be dead. No, oh, no, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, Richard E. Grant. He would have had liver cirrhosis of the liver or something by then. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, Richard E. Grant is 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 killing it. He he is even completely wasted in Star Wars Episode Nine: The Rise of Skywalker. You know what I learned about watching something about Withnil and I is that Richard E. Grant is a teetotaler. I don't know mm-hmm. if he still is, but during the filming of that, he was. And uh, that's him just fucking acting, baby. Yeah. Everyone else, was, everyone else was like, we're getting fucking trashed. Everyone was doing the kind of like, you know, fucking. <laughs> like it's for the character. British method of acting. And he refused to drink. And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, he he's a, a great actor. He's a love, really love great actor. Love me some Richard E. Grant. Yeah. But wait, okay. So um, one thing that I... Um, that I found really fun in this movie is that, so I, I love all the different, uh, the different versions of Bill and Ted that they encounter. Yes. Which really makes you think, um, is this the first Bill and Ted movie to establish multiple timelines? Because that is clearly a timeline where they failed and they, their marriages fell apart 
and their children will no longer talk to them. Right. And uh, and like that is basically like because whenever they went to the future in the other movies, it was only to like the utopian the future. Yeah. Uh, this is the first time we've seen like a like. I'm not sure how this how these movies work with uh, multiple timelines, but these are definitely like these. This is like a fragment, like that, like they are not going into that future. But like, it's like you know what it's like. I bet it's like um, Casanova. There's okay, like an ar- great, a very simple comic that's easy to explain. <laughs> that isn't even finished. Uh, but they're the sort of uh, ar- arboreal model mm-hmm. of like tree branches fractally like growing out in various ways. Right. Because that's that's why they're able to you know there, there must be some like a multiverse or something that's why they're able to like be at all times at all places to give everyone a ukulele and stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> ukulele, <laughs> cross-dimensional like, ukulele. <laughs> right, but like uh, it does make me wonder. Like, so I mean, uh, obviously, like every time travel movie um, has its own like spin or, or, or like definition of time travel rules, and right. so because like I know like the um, this is like these just aren't clear. They aren't. I mean, they. There is no point care. where they sit down and explain all of the like, like how everything works. It's basically, they establish the stakes, right. like they do in all the movies, and it's and it, then it's clear. It's like we, you have to do this by this time. Yeah. And one thing that I that I I find interesting in this movie is this this movie pretty much takes place in real time. Yeah, they'd say you have seventy three minutes, right, to get yeah. the song done, and they try right. to steal it in that exact amount of time. And so um, I was wondering with the other uh, timeline they have, um, if it like follows like the rule, the time travel rules that they establish in Avengers Endgame are that things do branch out into other timelines, but that if an event is like, like erased or fixed, then that timeline ceases to exist. So mm-hmm. I wonder if like by saving space and time at the end, like that other timeline with like, bad Bill and or like you know let's like sad depressed Bill and Ted no longer right. exists but also here's here's a question so old Bill and Ted when they encounter themselves in like the I gotta say the nicest nursing home I've ever seen yeah um looks pretty solid is that uh that's not the same timeline as the other three or the other two no, three. I guess okay. not. Right? So there's there's them playing open mic night. There's them in Dave Grohl's mansion, and there's right. them in prison, mm-hmm. because uh, there's that one quick shot, and I wish we saw more of it. Um, when they're in the nursing home, uh, their wives are there with them. This is what I'm saying, right? What more interaction with the wives? This is the thing. I um the wives. I mean, maybe not so much in actually. Get a little in, short shrifted. In, they get short shrifted in all of the movies. This is uh, probably most so in Bogus Journey, like an excellent adventure. They're 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 not. They're only introduced like halfway through the movie, yeah. And then they come back at the end as kind of like a dessert sort, reward, kind of rewards <laughs> for like you did a good job. Here are our uh, wives for you, but don't worry, we've established that they were going yeah. to marry royal ugly dudes, so it's it's not creepy <laughs> that we stole them away from their time and are just giving them to you. But like in Bogus Journey, they're in the band, <laughs> but they basically are just just don't do anything for the whole movie, other yeah. than when they get like harassed by r- evil robot Bill and Ted. But in this movie, it's like. I wish we saw more of it because they are on. They have their own like parallel story for the first time. Yeah. Um. 
also once again they are played by different actors yeah like they are in every single movie look if it's going to be deep different keep it consistently different you know I think that's part of it. It's like they recast them once. It's not like a joke. It's like they always have to be recast. Yeah. Recast them twice. Shame on me. <laughs> well said, Jake. But I, uh, <laughs> but like a, a thing that I'm interested in won't, won't is recast again. <laughs> but so they say they establish early on that older versions of the babes yeah. go back in time and pick them up and show them different versions of their lives. And then you learn, and it happens very quickly, like it's kind of easy to miss, that what happens is when Bill and Ted are visiting themselves in the nursing home, the wives who were there then take their time machine. They like sneak out and take it and then bring it back. Like that's the time machine they're in. They, because remember when, when they like, after they get like the USB drive and they go back out to like the courtyard and they're like, where's our time machine? And so I'm wondering what compelled the wives to be like, let's steal our husband, our younger husband's time machine and go back to talk to ourselves because the old wives never talk. Right. Right. You only see them in wide shots, but it's, it's presumably the old wives have taken the young wives to all meet in a group of six, the old Bill and Ted before the young Bill and Ted get there and they're leaving. And that's why they steal the, young Bill and Ted's time machine because maybe they already know that that's necessary for them to go to hell. To, to go to hell? What? Right, because that's when they die to go to hell. That's when they make Dennis kill them, right? After they meet the old Bill and Ted. Right. Tr- so the wives know something that, that everyone else didn't? I mean, that's not necessarily true, but that's my guess. But, but there's also the thing, like, when the wives come back in, like, the sort of like around the climax, they say that they they went to and, and saw all the different versions of their lives and uh, and realized that they should stay. And so this is, I'm just, I'm wondering how this this clicks together because mm. what what uh, the Bill and Ted in uh, playing open mic night, the first future selves they encounter, they're like older versions of your wives Go and, and took your wives to, to, to see it, to like learn how they're better off without you. Right. Like, where do they fit in in terms of like a right. possible storyline? I may I have mean, had too much white wine to, to, <laughs> to square that circle. It's okay. Or no, I, 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 I've seen this movie twice. Yeah. But uh, I bet it doesn't have an answer. And as much as like I'm glad that the wives were like, like, like actually like bigger characters than they were in the other movies. Right. Uh, like they actually like had, you know, they got to like say a joke or two. That's true. Uh, I just felt like they would be more part of the, the theme of aging. And that's why I was kind of like suggesting maybe it would be a good move to have them and Bill and Ted's like whole, like stories like kind of like converge while the alternate B plot that turns into the A plot is the young their daughters. Or or they could have followed the lead of another Keanu movie, <laughs> The Matrix Reloaded, <laughs> and made a video game where you play a side story about the wives traveling through time and they shoot footage for the cutscenes. You know what I, I do have I did anyone do any research into the supplementary material surrounding not this movie, but 
bogus journey like the the first one and then bogus journey because there was there was the comic book which we have we have we have the comic i haven't read it yet there's a live action there was a live action sitcom and there was a cartoon and like well was any of that written uh, into this movie uh, uh, well we established this i believe on our excellent adventure episode uh that um, because Keanu and Alex Winter did the voices for the first season of the cartoon, right? We're going to cover it on the show before they were replaced in order to create a consistent experience, right? Amongst the cartoon and the live action and, and the sitcom. So, if we, you want to see someone uncanny and uncomfortable, fucking watch the live action sitcom. And specifically, <laughs> there's that video about it that's been sort of like making the rounds. I, I heard you watching it in the next room earlier today. Don't blow up my spot. <laughs> But specifically, <laughs> Ted, the guy who's playing Ted, it, it it's just like, uh, it's not right. It's not <laughs> correct. It's like some skeletal weird guy with like an emo Phillips bowl cut. He's like being Ted. It's really disconcerting. <laughs> this is like but, when they did um, Ace Ventura 3, but it was young Ace Ventura. Oh, oh my God. It was yeah. like a 10-year-old kid in a high school. Or cartoon Ace Ventura, which is the other thing that actually did happen oh, as God. well. Oh, yeah. God. No, no one wants these. But no, we will, um, at some point, we'll watch the first season of the cartoon. I believe on our Excellent Adventure episode, Griffin just offered to come back to be on that one. Please. Oh, yeah. So He's got way more it. enthusiasm for these things, because I think they were actually during his childhood. Griffin? Griffin. Yeah. He's the same age as us is he the same? Oh, i thought he was an old man <laughs> griffin, <laughs> if you listen i thought you no. were fucking 40 years old no, dog I, I, <laughs> griffin i believe is a year younger than us matt <laughs> no no griff Damn. i remember he when he was on the podcast he just said that he watched these at a younger age than us like i saw these movies for the first time last year no no he had fond memories of the comic and the bill and ted cartoon i believe yeah um, all right well i don't know he whatever, got his hands so on whatever him. he's 22 i don't give a shit <laughs> but uh, but we will do an episode on the cartoon because i i and uh hey look since i have like less work to do in september i'm finally going to read the uh the bill and ted comic by evan dorkin which i have uh, in the hardcover collection on the shelf behind me it's pretty fun which is oh yeah you were reading it yeah but uh, i'm really curious because it starts with the comic adaptation of bogus journey that features the big car chase scene that was cut out of the movie that they like didn't they ran out of money and couldn't film for the movie <laughs> right yeah right but um okay wait but back to face the music which yeah. of the alternate futures was your favorite Oh, the prison, by far, just because of the sheer, just the sheer fact of the costume design. I was getting such, that that costume design was the throwback to what I liked about Bogus Journey and what I liked about the first movie. It's just, I really like those, you know, I'll use the word zany. It's Alex Winter's favorite word. I'm going to say, just I like those. my word to describe his work. To describe his work. It's my favorite word. Okay, sorry, Matt, your favorite word. Let's just attribute things to who they belong to, you know what I mean? So that we don't get confused later when we have to legally parse out who earned what <laughs> in the estate of Patrick Williams, okay. now deceased. <laughs> <laughs> Once you've all left me for your more exciting lives, I'm sitting here sadly. Uh, we, we, need, we need to know who gets what. And we're still That's shared correct. executors for some reason. Yeah, right. I, um, I mean, I, I will say I love the prison part. and uh, They're I like, so comically muscly. It's great. it's great. Well, uh, Kevin Yeager uh, w- d- was the makeup designer. He was also the makeup designer on Bogus Journey. And then he's famously did, did things like design the Chucky doll and uh, and has he's worked right. on like various 
like famous horror movies throughout the years. But uh, but those muscle suits are great, so especially good. the. So what's the name of the muscle between like your shoulder and neck? Your trapezius. Your trapezius. Yeah. Uh, Something like that. Bill's insanely just like bulging trapezius. <laughs> yeah. That makes him kind of like hunch forward. It was yeah. a, a great design. I mean, uh, my. I'm going to go with the fake British guys. No, that's, that's yeah. my thing. My favorite one was when they're in Dave Grohl's house. Uh, because just finally, is this, okay, is this the first time since Dracula that Keanu has spoken with a British accent? That I, I that I've watched, seen, yeah. we haven't done his full filmography enough for me to know if that's true. Mm-hmm. But we, we've damn, seen a couple Cajun accents, but I think British <laughs> just Bram Stoker's oh, yeah. in this so far. But and that's he can, was, and he's faking it so he can be shitty, right? But the, the, yeah. that's what was so funny about it. It's like they like he starts speaking with a British accent, which is just funny inherently, especially because Keanu has one of the most infamous British accents of all time. And so yeah. leaning into that and then just the you know, excuse of like, oh, we've been summering in medieval England. But then just the reveal <laughs> of just like when they're like, well, like Bill takes off his wig, Ted opens his shirt with like He's just so the gut hanging yeah. out. <laughs> and just um, I liked the Dave Grohl cameo. It's so short. Just because he's just like, why are you in my house? And they shut the door immediately. He, <laughs> yeah. You never see him again. But just, it had one of my favorite gags in the movie, which is, okay, future us is know everything that we're going to do. How can we do something that we can't remember? We'll put buckets on our heads. <laughs> and just the reveal of, also, I gotta say, I was glad to see that the actor who plays Ted's dad is still alive because he is like, almost 80 years old and he's, he's apparently honestly looking good yeah, I, he, yeah. He, he has an age today let's yeah be honest. he's like keanu he was just bald that's whatever he he ain't cracked so just just more lines on his yeah. face still still a cop still on duty um but i i love when they just look up to the balcony and you just see bill like the reveal of bill and ted's plan and they just what if we put <laughs> buckets on our heads and ran around yeah. so we couldn't see anything and just fell off the balcony of a second story window <laughs> yeah that does remind me of uh, I, I'm gonna forget, but like the the weird conceit in Bogus Journey where they remember to leave things in the past for themselves and they just appear like the garbage can. That's the, that's excellent adventure. That's excellent adventure. Okay. Never yeah. Mind. Uh. Yeah. That, that's. Um, I'm like I don't know if that makes sense, but I'm liking this. It's like it's my favorite time travel logic. There's the amazing gag where they're in the they're escaping the police station. And uh, and Ted's dad catches them as they're like pushing Billy the kid out the window. Right, and, right, right. And Ted just goes, "Trash can, remember the trash can." And then a trash can just falls, falls. out of nowhere yeah. onto his dad. <laughs> that might be one of my favorite jokes in the entire series. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's fantastic. Right. The less it makes sense to me, like the more I enjoy it. I think, and especially because it has the simple logic of they just. Somehow they they went into the future and did it. Yeah, it's like they 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 just if you remember to to do a thing in the future, you can you can make that happen. It happens yeah, in that time moment. Machine. Yeah, right. I mean, it's it's the same thing where like with the future them's in this movie where they just know everything that they're going to do. It's right. like okay, here's us again. Uh, you know, of course we're gonna show up and we're gonna say these things and then we'll get rid of them. Right. And the Lord knows how. Just yep. like, how do you, okay, when you say remember a trash can, oh, you're going to remember uh, the exact second you need to drop it out of the thin air? Right. And it's like, who cares? 
but they say just enough information so it works and yeah. also for because of the tone these movies have like the time travel logic makes perfect sense to me so stupid yeah but good, i will say stupid. bill and ted have had a lot of bad luck in the sense of it seemed like all they needed to do was pass one history final and then the universe is saved right and then they've encountered a bunch of problems along the way yeah, yeah. but i like that i mean this it's really like what's fun about these films and this general tone and 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 world they've created is it's it's just it's mad libs yeah time and space don't matter heaven and hell exist like there's no there's no it's not hard sci-fi where nerds are like freaking out when they don't explain how a thruster drive works and like my minute detail it's just like (laughs) it's just it's mad libs it's mad libs completely this is why i'm mad though that they couldn't secure a larger budget because I feel like the magic in these movies lies in those toss away, just overly ridiculous, extravagant, like quick jokes, whether they're like visual world building jokes, like a weird sight, kind of like the Zucker brothers with airplane, like half the humor is like weird shit you see in the background, like a throbbing piece of cheese on a fridge during a romance scene or something like it just makes no (laughs) sense but they make you laugh almost as hard as the actual plot of the movie. And it allows you to nestle in jokes without having to like bloat the story at all. Like you can sneak in your jokes about the world building with like visual sight gags. It's just one of the reasons why I'm a little sad that for whatever reason, this movie had a hard time garnering as big a budget as I think it deserved because this is one of those types of movies that just needs a large budget in order to, I think like enact on some of its goofiness and some of its craziness that it can do right i mean there were like i like especially watching this like right after bogus journey which right. has like this like these crazy sets for like the hell uh, honestly for like the hell and heaven sections yeah. um i there i did wish it had a larger budget but they're also like i there were only like you know a few scenes where I was like, I wish, like, 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 I, like, I think this scene would be better if it, yeah. if it had a bigger budget. Like, it was not the majority of the movie, right? It, it for me, it, it was mostly just like, um, I wish, like, they were able to have like more extravagant sets for the future, right, right, as and, opposed to having a large green screen. Right, exactly, and well, also I just like prefer the aesthetic of the future in uh, the. I mean, granted, in the first movie it was just a room, yeah. um, but I uh, the the first movie had the lowest budget of all these because like most of it was just like they'd just use like a western town set or they just yep like most of it was just real locations, but I uh, but and then like I like I think having the added scale for the climax could have done more with that just to like. You know, just, uh, you know, just the idea of, of, like, seeing, like, the audience for, like, the their big final song. Right, right. But, uh, and, but, but and it, seeing the universe start to collapse upon itself in more elaborate or, like, over-the-top sorts of ways, that could have been fun. Right. But generally, this is a movie about, like, these guys and their families. Yeah. And, um, and I, I, I still liked the... Uh, like while it was like a different look than in Bogus Journey, I still liked the appearance of hell yeah. in this one. And uh 
and also I will say I'm I'm glad that um the uh, the writers got their like they con- continued their streak of cameos through all the movies. Oh uh, yeah, Matt, the two demons where you were like, I want one of those roles. That those yeah. are the writers. Okay, great. In See? the first movie, they're the guys in uh the Sam. ice cream restaurant oh, yeah. where I uh, you know who are like poking Napoleon. Yeah, and in <laughs> in the second movie, they're in uh Missy's seance group. Yeah, and then in this one, uh, they're the demons. That's, I love this. Is what's confusing group. about like my desires for the budget? Where it, I, I I think it's pretty clear that Bogus Journey has the largest budget relative yeah. to the times of any of these films. Um, however, what you were describing with Hell and stuff, there's there's also the inverse thing where it's like, I I, I again prefer preference, not really like something objectively correct or not, but like the the low budget look of the future or hell um also works for me if you're not going to be able to spend a, a, a million dollars doing cgi yeah do suddenly suddenly the like opposite like hyper constrained practical stage effects are like yeah. much much better in my mind than than right? just going for whatever you can afford yeah like if you don't have the budget just go back to a room again just make the room look great but like you know, yeah, just sort of you know, uh, trick out some kind of like, I don't know, studio space. Yeah, it's like you know, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming that's a, that's quite quite a difficult balance to strike where you're like, okay, we have this budget, yeah. so it's like doing a bottle episode of TV to do mm-hmm. um, a crazier episode of television later, where it's like, oh, we're gonna constrain this one scene that comprises X percent of the of the movie, so that we have that much more money. To really like blow on what we need the and, the 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 fireworks for yeah, you know? and usually those tactics are painfully obvious when they happen. You see <laughs> yeah. a movie that you're like, oh, the money got either front or back loaded so hard <laughs> that <laughs> it's it's hilarious. But um, yeah, I mean, there's obviously always a way to do everything well too. I mean, what you're describing here is just the problem with the film industry right I now. I just give them more yes. money. I feel just, this way. I feel the same way about Terry. Spread Gilliam. the love, baby. The man, Mid-bu- that man the, needs more money. Mid-budget movies don't exist anymore. That's yeah. the problem. There are, like, there are. Like, honestly, it's wild. That this was like a twenty-five million dollar movie, because it's like movies cost like ten million dollars, yeah. and they are like small indies. Uh, that are yeah. like designed to usually like win awards, or there's like like comedies aren't gonna cost more than ten million anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Or they are like a hundred plus million. Yeah. Like that's the thing. Uh, Bogus Journey was basically like a fifty million dollar movie, and those stopped getting made. Yeah, which sucks. I feel uh. like this is the basically like the refrain of a lot of what we say when we are talking about film. On this podcast, even with one actor, it's like, please, mid-budget films. Yeah, well, honestly, that's what's what's nice about the John Wick series. Those have, I mean, those started, I think, um, I think basically the John Wick series, I I believe, cost like 20 million, 40 million, 60 million. Like, they've just gone up in in, in scale each time, and so now they're around like actual mid-budget movies. But like, again, it is wild that this cost basically what 
John Wick 1 cost, <laughs> which was a movie where when you, you see them like talking about making it, like the, the behind the scenes stuff, they're always like, yeah, we did not have a lot of money. Uh, we didn't have a lot of time to like shoot these action scenes. Part of why we why we designed uh, like the action style the way it is is so that we could shoot it really quickly because we had like two nights in this house. <laughs> wow. And yeah. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's that said. Um, while like obviously, I would love to see the fifty million dollar version of Bill and Ted Face the Music. It's not like a major like drawback. You know what me. I think they should do? What? So, I think John Wick 4 and 5 have both been greenlit, right? Like, we're going to get a fourth and fifth installment of that series. So, yes. Keanu is no... we. Bill and Ted Face the Music is not just the completion of all of his trilogy cycle, cycles, because Matrix is now also getting a fourth one. So, I'm saying, let's just keep making Bill and Ted movies, too. <laughs> We should yeah. do five of each now, and we should get a fifth Matrix after the fourth one. John Wick should end after the fifth one, and then we get to have two more Bill and Ted movies as well. No, no, Jake, I'll do you one better. I was trying to talk about Singularity yeah. and Universal Collapse. I think all those movies should just be one movie. <gasps> so and, and, get, and clearly, get... okay, so wait, I can think of two ways to approach this. Matt, you go first. All I'm saying is that you're getting John Wick... Uh, four and five. You're gonna get Matrix four, Bill and Ted four, and then the fifth movie of all of those is one movie. <laughs> so what do you mean, like? So Matrix, Bill and Ted, and John Wick converge on the fifth movie of each of those series. Mm -hmm. Got and it. And so, so in terms of how to approach this, there's two possible ways. Okay. Because um, both Matrix and Bill and Ted involve different worlds right matrix obviously there is the real world and there is you know the world of the matrix yes i uh, which i mean obviously who knows what I, I again there is basically no movie in some stage of of like being made right now that i'm more curious about than matrix 4 because oh i have no fucking idea what this will be but Bill and Ted, obviously, is a movie with very kind of loose rules that, as we've said, involves heaven and hell and time travel and multiple timelines. Right. So will it be Neo or Ted that will be the person to bring these together? And it should be Ted. I, I think it should be. Because Neo is, Neo is just an, appara like an apparatus of, of a pre-existing system. He's also yeah. dead, so presumably he's some kind of like— Well, he could be in heaven— he could he's, he's already doing like the they're they're already talking about Christ bullshit with him, right? Are they? Uh, or mean, they were, right? Him sacrificing himself for humanity. Well, he he did, but presumably he exists as some kind of like program now within the <laughs> Matrix. <laughs> yeah, but like you could totally see it, some kind of thing where wait wait wait, what if Ted just goes forward to the future that the Matrix is set in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's it, and. Whoa! <laughs> just like, but he also doesn't whoa. have the plugs on himself, so he can't jack in. Right, he just has to stay in Zion. Right, wait, 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 partying, wait, 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 partying wait, in the Ted, wait, Ted wait, has wait. to remain in Zion. <laughs> what if? Wait, oh my God, Wild Stallions playing for the raves in Zion. Yeah, exactly. That rules. Um, but also, I was gonna say, like, would John Wick just kill Ted, and then he ends up like his spirit floats into like somehow gets consumed 
in this machine world. Well, here's the thing. John Wick is in the Matrix. So John Wick's character is still in the Matrix world. Mm-hmm. This it works because there's the levels of reality are are all they're none of them are overlapping in any way that like complicates things. You've got Ted, he's just in, from a different time. He just comes forward. You've got Neo, he's from the future, but he lives in a fake world as well, created by robots. Right. That's where John Wick lives. <laughs> you live in the Matrix. <laughs> this, this movie's so fucking stupid. And then, I can't wait know, to maybe, see. Maybe we Bill just wake John five. Wick up, and now he's in Zion too. With Ted. Uh, that sounds pretty good. And and then and be- then he says, "Oh, I thought you were Ted." <laughs> <laughs> and then and and then Ted's nice core energy just rubs off on them, and he gets John Wick to mellow out. And uh, and just like, like gets them all into music, and they just listen to music together, right? And the thing yeah. is, oh, they make they, a band. They form a band. Well, what they do is that yeah, they form a new metal band, a neo metal band, a neo metal band, and they have to travel through the real world in the way you were describing would be better for like whatever the last Matrix was. See the video released in June 2019 called "Rewriting the Matrix Sequels." So they have to do the thing they did in Bill and Ted's Face the Music. They have to bring a USB drive to. Whatever part of the dumb <laughs> nano machine fucking matrix thing, and then meanwhile Neo is in the matrix again, distracting all the like, you know, firewall antiviral robots. Yeah, with his kung fu. Yeah, and then but then they plug in the music, and then the music plays throughout both the rea- real world and in the matrix simulation. And then mm. that's what Ted brings back. Yeah. Also, I, I think Ted should quite literally use his time machine to recruit Rage Against the Machine. Yeah. So that they can Rage they Against can the Machine. They can finally Rage Against the Machine. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. If I'm, if Tom Morello is not, his dreads have not become, or no, no. Who, am, who Zach De La Roche. Zach De La Roche's dreads don't become <laughs> uh coaxial cables that he can <laughs> he can plug into a computer <laughs> not only does he have one coaxial cable he's got 10 <laughs> this is a really he can good jack idea in so, so hard and he's where is he from tom or de la roche where's he from yeah or what's his nationality his heritage american i thought he was mexican uh, keep talking. Stall for time. I'll look it up. Because all I'm trying to do here is make a ham-fisted joke about Quetzalcoatl as the serpent god, but Quetzal- Quetzalcoaxial. <laughs> oh, God. That was such a stretch. <laughs> Why don't we bail? Let's bail on it. Uh, Zach De La Roche is, uh, is American. Um, Damn, uh, I'm canceled as shit, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> no, 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 wait, 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 to, no, to a Mexican American father. <laughs> yes. And um, anyway, uh, can I want to say I, I one last thing I want I I, I want to end on. Is, sure. has, has this been a good episode? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's definitely an episode. Yeah. Are are people who waited five months for this suddenly being like they're cumin? Is it is it what they <laughs> hope for? Um, uh, you know, it, but probably not because because they they didn't want to hear Jake's dumb opinions. Oh my um, god! You I'm know sorry, what? Jake, I'm I'm Jake is the nicest of all of us, and I am too mean to. You I'm on the this most podcast. like Bill and Ted out of the three of you fuckers, <laughs> and by the three of you fuckers, I mean the three of us. <laughs> <laughs> You're a fucker too. Yeah. Uh, 
but no, I, 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 so <laughs> uh, I, I need a haircut. I, I apologize to everyone. I apologize. Jake, I'm sorry. Bill and Ted would not want me to be like this. You're they, not being excellent to Jake. No, I'm, I'm not gonna being. Be I'm not being excellent to them. So I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm, taking I'm gonna, a lesson either. I'm gonna try to follow their lead and be excellent to everybody, uh, even when it's really hard. Yeah, <laughs> like Jake. Even um, when people are making <laughs> mistakes. But I wanna. The last thing I want to talk about is the release of this movie. So. Obviously, um, it's been uh, it is a major understatement to say this has been a weird year for movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but so obviously, uh, all theatrical releases just basically got hit pause. They just mm-hmm. stopped. Movies don't come out anymore. And what happened with some movies was they not many, but anytime a movie got like its theatrical release canceled and got and went right to streaming or like VOD, it always bummed me out Yeah, because I would pretty much rather watch every single movie in theaters. I'm a person who pays to see Netflix movies in theaters because I just want to watch it that way. And I am, there are so many movies, like I, I have watched like no, like no joke, like 200 movies since like, quarantine started and so many of them have been ones i haven't seen before i've been so happy to just spend this time watching older movies i haven't seen before uh and wait on new movies i don't want things to get just like dumped onto streaming because it feels like then it's like cultural footprint is like three days long Everyone kind of moves on immediately. They make no impact. It's not we like I watch them on my laptop. It's not ideal, um, and that in general, that's how I felt about these things. But that said, especially now that uh, that some movies are starting to be released in theaters again, right? In like some weird way, like maybe it's a drive-in theater or whatever. I really appreciate the way Orion Pictures handled it with bill and ted because this was all like august 28th was the release date and especially when like uh warner brothers and christopher nolan have been so insistent on tenet being like (laughs) the first movie back in theaters and i'm just and i with all of this and it's like playing in other countries it is feasible to kind of see it at some places in the U.S. And with all of this, I just keep thinking there is a decent chance that a person could die because they wanted to see that movie. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, and I love movies more than basically anything. They're not worth it. And I really appreciate that Bill and Ted, which is also playing in some drive-in theaters, that... They, in comparison to other movies at the same time, were like, no, you, you we're going to make this available. This is a, a really, it, it's an uplifting, positive, nice movie about humanity coming together to overcome a difficult time, released during a difficult time. And I think they read the room and yeah. they, they, they did the right thing by making this accessible yeah. uh, to watch at home. And this is like the one time that I'm like, you know what? I'm glad they did what they did, even though I wish I could have seen this in a packed theater. And uh, and I think that that it's like 
the way this was released speaks to is like it's consistent with like the message of the movie. Yeah, and I think that that is cool. And it feels very. I agree. It feels very. Again, this will this will feel dated, and I think an, an interesting and like kind of good way. But like, you just you watch all those little clips that sort of play at the end, which we could have submitted one to right. and uh, forgot. I doubt we would have been chosen though. Honestly, just look I, at us. What are you talking about? We're great. <laughs> <laughs> but like, uh, you know, all all the kind of like cell phone kind of zoom esque vibe of of that whole sequence over the music at the end. Um, I mean, that's that's definitely going to be like one of the definitive t- visual takeaways of quarantine. Yeah, that's is, like yeah. it's just all social and professional interactions being mediated in the way we're doing right now, literally. And it's yeah. like, yeah, so that's, they read the room. I didn't even think of that, that this is pretty much the only like major studio 2020 release that actually has footage in it like of like of its audience contributed by people who were like in lockdown. Yeah. 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 And that's interesting. That's cool. Got to say, I uh I love Bill and Ted. I'm I I I think I I love what the, what these movies represent. I love these characters. Uh I'm really ha- you know, I I think I feel the most positively about this movie of the three of us and I'm really happy that it for a movie that didn't seem necessary, I think it justifies its existence and uh, and really re- and does what is truly difficult to do, which is like, uh, you know, ends a trilogy satisfyingly. I say yeah. make another one. Let's keep it rolling. <laughs> I mean, look, we're, we're going to we make five. five. They're, 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 these are all going to cross over. We'll probably bring this up in every single episode, especially yeah. when we get to our Matrix sequels the episode. Quin, the, Quin, the Quintilogy? Quintilogy, yeah. Because so these are our final thoughts now. May I? I mean, I I, I was ready to just like end the episode. Oh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I wasn't as negative as I feel like you painted me on this. No, I I like I know you were positive. I think it it was just that it's just your tendency. Uh, is bad. To, to, to just <laughs> to just focus on the grievances. Yes. At, at, like, uh, I don't like, think oh, any movie needs to justify its existence. Maybe is I would just like maybe rephrase it a bit. Like, well, there are plenty of like legacy sequels that seem to be like primarily just like nostalgia driven, and this sure. seemed and I felt like this existed in a way that was not just like let's revisit all our greatest hits. Right. Right. Okay. Let's That's do something fair, new. Yeah. yeah, I agree. It's 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 a it, we need some positivity like this, and not many movies are delivering on that, on on that sort of emotional necessity to like just have a positive message be sent out there. It's I doubt Tenet vibes. Probably not. <laughs> Tenet, I will say Tenet is all about feeling good and just kicking <laughs> back and just cracking a brewski open yeah, on a hot grilling. summer day. It turns yeah. out That's this this is Christopher Nolan's pivot to nice core. <laughs> nice core. I'm night. I'm doing nice cool now. But I'm like splitting the timeline, so it's all fractally and <laughs> yeah. All right. I'm doing Paddington. I'm actually doing the next Paddington. I was about to say, 
this would be a great time to greenlight Paddington 3. Paul King, I know you said you're not going to direct it, but you should. And look, again, I've said this before, but the only person who can play the villain in Paddington 3, Daniel Day-Lewis, come out of retirement, it has to be you. Stop making yeah. shoes in Ireland or whatever you're doing. <laughs> Get back on the stage, my friend, where you belong. Yeah, you have a CGI bear to, to antagonize. Yeah, I'm sorry, but you have to talk to this bear. <laughs> I'm sorry, good sir. All right, shall we? Should we, should we end this thing? Should we gracefully leave after two yeah. and a half hours? So, okay. Uh, actually, here's what I'll say about the podcast. We're not back weekly. We have zero episodes in the can, <laughs> banked up. Um, but And also, Matt is about to move. So let him move. But I think what we'll do next, Yeah. and if we change this plan, if I'm wrong right here, I'll just cut this out. Uh we, there are two recently released Josh Hartnett films that will be our next ep- our next two episodes. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll cover those, and then we'll now start making moves on resuming Keanu's filmography. Because look, we're about to hit the year two thousand, and <laughs> we got some. Look, we got to talk hardball. We got to we got to talk about the time the Matrix. Uh, was reloaded and then the time that there were revolutions there Mm. we got to talk about the time that something just had to give yeah (laughs) we got a lot of stuff to look forward to and that's only 2003 we oh we have the one sam raimi movie i've never seen which is that what again i forgot it's called the The gift Gift. keanu and kate blanchett Mm -hmm. so yeah you got the naughty audience to look forward to so, uh, so stick with us. Uh, thanks for your patience. So, hope you have a little bit more. But the the boys, we're the boys, right? Are we the boys? Sure, I think uh, we're the boys. The, the boys will be back. And for now, I just want to say. Thank you to Brian Matolius for our theme song. Thank you to Emma Logsdon for our artwork. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Keanu Podcast. <laughs> That's oh, it's it so rusty. <laughs> yeah. At so. Keanu Podcast. Jake, start start tweeting again. Um uh, at, at Keanu Podcast. That's the um you can send us emails, Keanu Podcast at gmail.com. That's it. Uh so hope everyone's doing okay, staying safe, and above all else, be excellent to each other. <laughs>